that you fret, my fine furry fella. In a matter of minutes, your relationship dilemma will be in the past. Where I am rounding up the Diamond Dogs. Who the fuck are the Diamond Dogs? It's just a group of people who care, Roy. Not unlike folks at a hip-hop concert whose hands are not in the air. Okay, so this is about you and Keely, right? <laughs> Saw this coming. Nothing like the early days of courtship. Okay, this is my fucking nightmare. I think the idea of you and Keely is like cookies and cream. And, and I think we all agree, two great tastes that go great together, right? Yeah, perfect analogy. Yes, I am into her, but we all know who her ex-boyfriend is, the Prince Prick of all pricks. And I've got him stuck right in here. I don't understand the problem. I mean, Keely's just so kind, you know, to be liked by someone like her must be... It's wonderful. Mmm, shout out to the Gershwin bros right there. Yeah, the Gershwins. But dang it, fellas, still not getting it. Thank you. Sure, Roy here has slept with a bunch of different people in his past, but Keely's got her own romantic and sexual history that predates Roy. And that's not okay! Oh, he means the opposite. I love it when Coach does sarcasm. I can't control my feelings. Well, then by all means, you should let them control you. Ah, he's doing it again. <laughs> Good eye. <laughs> Look, Roy, all this Chandler banging aside, do me a favor. Don't let her pass muck around with y'all's future, okay? She slept with him last night. I know. Are you two officially dating? No. Have you already slept together? No. Coach, you want to bring this home? Grow up and get over it. The Diamond Dogs have struck again. <laughs> scares us and what saves us. This is the fear of God. Do we venture do wanna, into Do you want to do do you want to do the honors? You want to you want to inaugurate it or would you like me to? Go for it, buddy. Little guy. <clears throat> Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome back. Yes, you know the throat clearing sound and the dulcet tones underneath indicate that we are once more back in TV guideposts. This time around, because of the series hashtag What Saves Us, we are visiting the Apple TV Plus original series, Ted Lasso. We're starting with season one, episodes one and two, so it is a perfect time to join us for this week's installment of Hashtag TV <laughs> That's lovely. It's this so is amazing. Funny. I can't believe we're actually doing this. Reed, we I started know. joking like eight months ago. I know. I know. Well, and we have to, you know, we'll mention it in most, if not all of them, but we have to shout out to friend of the show, Jeff Hansen, for officially and formally, without prompting from us, submitting uh, along with a few other submissions that honestly I wish we could get to all of, but uh, right there near the top was good old Ted Lasso. So Jeff, miss you, buddy. Thank you so much for submitting Ted Lasso. This is very, very exciting. 
So. In fact, we can even share because the listeners enjoy this sort of behind the music style stuff. Oh. I was trying to falsify a way to get it on the show. And you were like, whoa, Nathan, you've gotten <laughs> on to me for that before. He's like, it needs yes. to be a real submission, a true submission. I did not plant a seed in anyone's brain pan, nope. but mm-hmm. out of nowhere, probably within 36 hours of that conversation where you were like, it was the same week, Nathan. Yes. And then Jeff's. Ted Lasso recommendation showed uh-huh. up and here he we are. felt it from across the miles. Yeah. He felt it. There's a disturbance like, okay, in the force. <laughs> so um, we've, we've talked at length about the show. Now I, I happen to know for a fact, and, and we're going to be spending a lot of time with Keith in this episode, but um, I know that uh, uh, Keith has not yet seen it. So what we're going to do is we're just going to like initiate talk around him. We're just like yeah. we did back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> you know, talk over, talk around. Many, many, many a class, many a <laughs> he's, class. He's, he's regretting like, his choice right now. Like, wait a minute, I remember what this feels like now. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I gave you both C's. Okay, like, <laughs> no, that's because we were bad actors. <laughs> No, you just spoiled TV shows for me. That was <laughs> no, that was exactly, exactly what it happened. Exactly what happened. But so the um, so I'll st- I'll start with just sort of the loose premise in broad speak. If you if you are not familiar, if you completely have never heard of Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso is an Apple TV Plus original show starring Jason Sudeikis. Um, it was actually spawned as a series of um, ESPN commercials, basically advertising. Uh, I think World Cup soccer. But the premise of those commercials, which then bled into the broader premise of this TV show, is that um, Ted Lasso, played by Sudeikis, um, is an American football coach. And he is from Kansas, and he has just been brought over to coach a premier soccer league in England. And uh, completely out of his depth, he he doesn't really know anything about soccer. Um, but he's been brought over specifically, as you find out in the first episode, so I'll spoil this one little bit, uh, specifically because the owner of the club is going through a very nasty divorce from the previous owner of the club. And uh, so her name is Rebecca, and she uh, basically wants to sabotage the team. So that's why she brings over this Kansas City football coach. I don't know if it's Kansas City. I think it's actually just Kansas. But uh, she brings over Kansas uh, football coach Ted Lasso to try to coach the soccer team. She has the intent of sabotaging everything. Ted Lasso has every intent to just roll up his sleeves and be the best football coach he can be, but football actually soccer coach that he can be. Um, and so the the, the story in there. Yes, exactly. It is. I actually funny- can relate to this. I mean, I've never heard the plot of it before. Yeah, yeah. But a very similar thing happened to me. Oh, I wasn't really? a football coach, but right. <laughs> like, wait a minute. <laughs> but uh, when my youngest son Zach, he wanted to get on a soccer team, and mm-hmm. there were no soccer teams that he could get on, so the neighborhood formed their own, and they needed somebody to be the coach just oh, no. in order to form the team. I I knew nothing about soccer. I didn't know what the fullback <laughs> was. I think I knew goalies could use their hands. That was the extent of my. So I'd show up with my little black coach shirt every day oh my and gosh a real thank god That's there was a, a mother actor. there was a mother there that understood the rules and so i was in the soccer coach shirt but she just she she did everything you go here you go there you go there I'm like, yes That's hilarious Let's go, guys. <laughs> listen to her well, well my he- wife in high school played soccer so i i don't i don't i don't speak sports and so uh when the show actually dabbles in the actual games and, and what's going on with the games mattering i'm like hey what's can you, what is going on? <laughs> How are points scored? Who's what? What's where? Oh football, gosh. football. It's all the same, but totally different. Um, 
but for what it's worth, Keith, if, if the time does permit for you in the future, it's, it's a really lovely show. You would find a lot of humor and heart to, to be found in it. Um, the, this particular episode, so this is episodes one and two we're, we're assessing today, at least in brief, uh, episode one, uh, is called Violet. Yep. Um, and it's effectively Rebecca reveals the plot. Like you learn this she's sabotaging the team ted meets the team and the big uh sort of character bit for ted as we learn of some marital tension back home and that's going to propel through this season but reed i don't know talk to me reed a little bit about because you know i pitched you on the show way back when sure yeah like mm-hmm. <laughs> uh funny story is you what was the what was the writing you were do an afterthoughts blog piece was due from you and you were like, it was a Friday and oh, I remember this. you were like, yes. okay, I'm going to, I'm going to watch a Ted or two and then do this afterthoughts blog. And <laughs> <laughs> like eight hours later, Hey man, I'm going out of town. I didn't get to write the afterthoughts blog. Cause I watched the whole season of Ted Lasso. Yes, like, oh, I, I okay. did. I did. Yes, yeah. yes. That's how it goes. I watched, um, so, I watched it so all speak a little bit to that initial wave of, of experience you had with this, with this, uh, the beginning of the show and or the season. Sure. So I had enough going into it to know, like, okay, I, I kind of understand what the show is aiming for. It's aiming for, you know, what if Ned Flanders was a, was a real fleshed out character that you could really root for. And that's, you know, that's kind of what he's going into is this. Um, so I watched the first couple of episodes and it was, it happened to be a day that I was off of work. Uh, my wife still had to go to her work and my son was off from school. But I had taken the day off. So just that morning, I was like, let me knock out the first couple of episodes and then we'll move on with it. But after the first couple of episodes, after these two episodes, I was like, I'll, just, I'll watch a couple of more. And then by the time it did, it just builds from there. Yeah. And so then by the time my wife got home, I was about six or seven episodes deep. And I was like, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to finish out the rest of the show. And uh, it was really, I think what propelled me is number one, the 30 minute episodes. So, you know, they're easily digestible. Um, the energy around the show is really, it's not like propulsive to where you have to, you have to keep watching it, but the characters almost immediately are very um, engaging and they're very endearing. Now, what I have heard, uh, because I have now seen, this is my third time going through season one, because when I finished it and season two was about to start, I watched the whole first season with my wife. Her description of it is that the characters take a little warming up to get into, that it was about episode three or four before she kind of acclimated to the wavelength of the show. Now that it didn't take me that wavelength, but I have heard that from other people as well. That like the first couple of episodes, they're like, I don't know what quite what to make of this. Um, but then by episode three or four, they're they're pretty much all in for for well, almost everybody that I've talked to. And maybe this is a subconscious thing that's being alluded to there, but it's almost like there's a pair of frequencies you have to get on. One is the Ted Lasso energy. And if you're yes. not bought in, that might be a put off. Two is the the britishness of it and so there it's yeah. it's very uh it arguably is kind of screwball in some places but very whiz bang kind of uh, set up punchline sort of comedic uh, uh aspect yeah. to it um i know for me personally i don't know that i would say it took warming up to as a concept the comedy I clicked on very quickly and and honestly between gotcha. this week and next week most of my notes are just lines 
Um, <laughs> you know, the, the yeah. first one, first one being when Ted and coach beard are on the plane heading to the UK, <laughs> he says, if we see each other in our dreams, let's goof around, pretend like we don't know each other. And beard just says, you got it stranger. So the comedy <laughs> I was bought in quickly, um, sure. an episode we won't get to for another two weeks, which is episode five turns into a very emotional place. And so that's when I was like, oh, wow, this this thing not only has the comedy uh, uh, down pat, it also kind of knows when to dive deeper. And that was yeah. that was really powerful to to kind of experience. But when well, I, sp- um, I spent. Yeah. Oh, well, I was just going to say one more thing that kept propelling me that never happened was I kept waiting for the rug to be pulled out from under Ted. I kept waiting for like some big, deep, dark secret. I kept waiting for something like something's going to spin. This guy's too nice. This guy's too, but what they really do, and we'll play this out over the course of, of at least season one, because season two, as of this recording, is still airing. So we've only seen the first half of season two as of this recording, but all of season one. And Ted Lasso's kindness is not because he's a goofball or a moron or anything. Like it's it's almost like a a hard-earned optimism and a genuinely fought for kind of kindness and and way to navigate the world. And I kept waiting for something to come in and either undermine that or, uh, you know, in, in that way that sometimes shows which lead with their optimism can sometimes turn super cynical really fast. What's kind of amazing is Ted Lasso is the kind of show where everybody around him, most people around him start off super cynical and then just his energy and his outlook and his approach to everything just steadily begins to erode that cynicism away and makes them see things in a different light that makes them you know begin to approach their world differently and that's it's truly remarkable in this particular television climate for that to be you know such a hit popular show so anyway that was my last statement on that um, for this, for for the sake of Keith's participation, uh, let's go ahead and jump into episode two here. Um, biscuits, which is also just a great bluey. Well, reference. can I mention? Oh, well, I'm sorry. Oh, please. Can I mention, yeah, can I mention like one or two? Yeah. So on that note, there's something from the first. Uh, well, obviously, like him remembering Kitman Nathan's name. That was immediately. I was like, oh, T- Ted Lasso is great. But you talked about a line. The one line that I wrote down for this one is when Roy Kent. It's talking about he's like, okay, I didn't think I would spend my last season being coached by Ronald F. McDonald. And then when he leaves, the the uh <clears throat> lasso looks at Coach Beard and he says he thinks he's mad now. Wait till we win him over. And then yeah, Coach Beard says, great. Oh, he'll be furious. And that was when I was like, <laughs> Oh, that's a that's a great line. He's like, Oh, he thinks he's mad now. Wait till we win him over. And uh yeah, it's really great. So I just wanted to throw that line out from the Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, it's full of wonderful little character exchanges like that. And uh, so, uh, second episode, uh, this, this running bit about Ted bringing biscuits, uh, uh, British cookies, cake item, cookie item to Rebecca, um, becomes a bit here and you've got a fun anecdote about that read, but also, uh, the plot elements of this are that it's Keely and Ted Keely, the, in season one girlfriend of Jamie Damme has, his character's name is jamie but his british is so thick his accent is so thick it's Jamie. like that's how he says his own name Jamie taught like what did you just say um uh hope he never listens to this because i'm gonna feel like a jerk um uh it also features the character sam's birthday and ted fixes the water pressure in the showers read any specifics you would like to bring up on episode two here 
I love just there's a couple of little lines that I think are great. So uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight like if you don't mind I'm gonna I'm gonna highlight Please. two or three here. Um, so the first I'll one is after same. after he uh, implements biscuits with the boss, where he's just like he's just gonna bring Rebecca. Who remember we said from the premise Rebecca wants to sabotage the team, so she is not down for all of the Ted Lasso energy. But he's like starts by bringing her these little cookies, these biscuits. And um, and then as he's leaving, he says like high five tree and like and like smacks the you know like smacks the tree, which I just think is really funny. I also really loved when uh, Sam Obasanya like um, d- didn't uh, make the play in training, and so then Lasso calls him over and he says, "You know what the happiest creature on earth is, or what the happiest animal on earth is a goldfish because it has a ten second memory." And then he says, "Be a goldfish, Sam." And then I love like Sam's just got this little like. What? <laughs> and then, then Lasso's just like, you got it. Go on. Yeah, yeah, you got it. Um, but then, prob- okay, so two more. And then, uh, <laughs> so, so, because there's one that's really funny and it's perfect and it's like a great memeable moment. And then there's another one that's much more subtle that I love so much. So the big bombastic moment is um, when he's has another episode of biscuits with the boss he brings her that morning and he's like no 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 we're all part of the team he said i'm even having lunch with higgins here higgins is a uh, is rebecca's assistant. like yeah. Uh, assistant yeah the director of football operations and so he's like yeah I'm, I'm even having lunch with uh uh higgins here and then as he's leaving higgins says caesar you later because they're having salads he says caesar you later and then like two seconds later ted bursts into the room and when i say burst like slams the door like bursts into it and he bursts and runs right up to him and goes Yes. Yes. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's such a great moment. At first, you're like startled. What the heck? Um, and then uh, my favorite one that's significantly more subtle is uh, Jamie, who mentioned Jamie, who was mentioned earlier. Uh, when he's saying goodbye, he says cheers, and then he walks away. And like two seconds later, Ted Lasso goes night court. <laughs> I just thought that, I just thought that was the funniest thing. Can I? Um, um, can I share my anecdote and then you, you, you know, go for it. So we're all okay. here. All right. So my wife uh, works at a preschool and uh, where we live, we are just in this area. I mean, I, I don't think there's a lot of like celebrities where we live, but there's a lot of people in the movie industry, usually in the uh, props or costumes or set design or things like that. A lot of them work here and they commute down to, to further downtown. Um, well, she came into work one day and I guess, uh, one of the people that uh, one of the parents of the students that she uh, teaches where she teaches um, works on Ted Lasso, I guess, because I have in my hands, this is a YouTube exclusive, but I have in my hands. This is uh, these are biscuits legitimate. The these are legitimate like coach Lasso. Yes, these are the real biscuits that they that they the same <laughs> kind that they use on the show. And yes, they are delicious. So, uh, yeah, I just had to you share. need to find the shop that makes them good. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Or the coach. Yeah. I'll let you share that. <laughs> so that's awesome. What? Oh, oh, you mean the spoiler for the show? The spoiler for the show. Uh, yes, exactly. No, we'll get so there. I just had to. Yeah. Anyway. Um, I'll, I'll throw out two notes real quick. One uh, is is a funny character bit. One is just a funny line to me. But where <laughs> where uh, Keely and Ted are talking about what would you rather be a lion or a panda and uh rebecca comes out and she engages the bit and then jam jamie comes out and they say lion or panda and he says coach i'm meh why would i want to be anything else <laughs> so translation coach i'm me why would i want to be anything else and ted, ted goes 
I don't know if you know how psychologically healthy that is. <laughs> <laughs> the other one that I just love because they they play throughout the show with uh, uh, British colloquialisms and vernacular and Ted is learning the lingo and coach and, and, and Keith, the, the interplay is his, his assistant coach beard. That's literally his name. He has a beard. He's kind of the, the brains of the pair of them. He, he learns the, the, the common speak and all that sort of stuff. And is always educating Ted on the, the world they've now dropped, been dropped into. And Ted is trying to acclimate to some new vernacular and uh he says to beard he's like so if i got fired while putting my cleats in the trunk of my car and beard says you got the boot for putting boots in the boot because <laughs> <laughs> the same thing means boot for so many different things um no i, I love this show i i love this character uh to your point reed how i sort of analogize it to people is it's like if if ned flanders were uh, uh, uh oh my god coach taylor from friday night lights oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah. instead of deriding ned everyone rises to be ned it's really a lovely enterprise. so there's these little these little biscuits come with uh Doing the right thing is never the wrong thing. Coach Lasso, go get him, Tiger. Kindness makes a comeback. Don't mind me. I'm just going to be eating these biscuits. I see that, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, <clears throat> that has been another uh, a first installment of Ted Lasso with Jamie Tart and the <laughs> Richmond team of footballers. Tune in next time for more of Coach Lasso, the gaffer, when he puts his boot in the boot with his boots. A boot tune. <laughs> it's been TV guy post. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what that was that you were trying to do. It was not a British accent. <laughs> it was my attempt at Jamie. Jamie's a whole other accent. That's a oh. that's a dialect in and of itself. He's he's his own. Whatever you think of Ted Lasso as a football coach, I assure you, the truth is harder to swallow. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you, coach? I know. Oh, and swallow you must because Ted is out there in the community, either bravely or stupidly facing the music. <laughs> hey, fellas, how you doing? That's for you to decide. Piss off, wanker! <sighs> All right. Stop Every it. time! And yes, he's in over his head. He insisted twice that he didn't care if Richmond won or lost. But if the lasso way is wrong, it's hard to imagine being right. Hmm. Why have you stopped reading? Well, no, please do me the favour of remembering that these aren't my words, it's Trent Krim. Keep going. In a business that celebrates ego, Ted reigns his in. His coaching style is subtle. It never hits you over the head. <laughs> what, I Roy? I didn't know it was a retirement party. Shit. <clears throat> Stop messing with night. I don't know which one of you are nice because I don't see so well at night anymore, but that goes for all of you. Slowly growing until you can no longer ignore its presence. Vanilla vodka. Such a child. Kaylee? Me? Whether that means allowing followers to become leaders, or in a show of respect, eating food so spicy it's sure to wreak massive havoc on his intestinal system. And though I believe that Ted Lasso will fail here and Richmond will suffer the embarrassment of relegation, I won't gloat when it happens. Because I can't help but root for him.
we'll just go ahead and uh... <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen it is once more time to visit hashtag TV guideposts this season we're going to the wonderful optimistic hopeful joyous Ted Lasso we last week talked about the first two episodes this week we're talking about episodes three and four and given uh, what's in store for us in the rest of the episode, we might camp out here for a very long time. <laughs> but in the meantime, we invite you to join us for this week's hashtag TV Guideposts. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad we're doing this first. I know. Oh, man. <laughs> okay. An injection of some lasso energy. Now, <laughs> Blake, last time you were on was was it the hitcher last time well, no it was killer, killer clowns. clowns yeah killer that's clowns, right yeah. yeah it was killer clowns. but i knew and you and i made a joke because I, I knew you had seen ted lasso mm-hmm. and it was a ted lasso season two reference and now we're in the middle of ted lasso season yeah, two. No, but we today are talking about three and four so awesome i knew you were a fan of the show yeah what what how, how did you get into the beautiful world of ted lasso uh it was so Finding something that my wife will sit down and actually watch with me. She went is, down for the hitcher. Uh, no, no, not really. It's it's not her <laughs> not her bag. Uh, no, she doesn't really like horror in general, uh, unless mm. it's uh, Shyamalan. She likes mm. him, and she likes Quiet Place. So okay, you know, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So we had just finished binging Shit's Creek. Uh, mm. and oh, nice. really like that. We, we, we enjoyed it. And then we were just looking for something else and we'd heard good things about Ted Lasso. Uh, I like Jason Sudeikis for the most part. Um, so we just gave it a shot and, uh, I've had a couple of conversations with people and they're always like, man, I don't know about the first episode of season two, blah, blah, blah. Like it's, it seems to be dragging. I was like, well, for me, like the first episode or two of the first season didn't grab me mm. it was like the third and fourth the ones we're talking about today that really got me um wow and kind of brought me look how that show. worked out yeah, yeah. exactly so, and so, so and yeah so, I, I i fell in love like it, it's really difficult to not fall for ted lasso yeah. even even this darkened cynical heart of mine <laughs> uh, was broken by it so yeah so what's funny about you saying that and you are not as of this recording you are not privy to the conversation that we had last week. Mm-hmm. I mentioned last week when we talked about it, um, which has been recorded, but has not aired yet, which is yeah. why Blake hasn't heard it. Um, I say on there that like when I got my wife into the show, she expressed a similar thing. And the first couple of episodes took yeah. a little acclamation and that she didn't mm-hmm. quite get on the wavelength right away. But that by about the third or fourth episode, yeah. she was like, oh yeah. man, I, 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 I love this. Yeah, this is really great. So I it's think just it cool. Because yeah. we were just waiting for it to shift into uh, dumb podunk guy just being goofy like we were expecting it to basically go into all the the tropes of like your yeah typical like you know clueless you know uh, yeah. american going to britain kind of because that's been done to death so yeah mm-hmm. uh, we we were expecting that to happen and it just never came and so we were just like oh okay this has got more going for it than that okay absolutely cool. No, absolutely. absolutely. Well, and this, so something that we didn't mention in last week's episode. So I'm going to pivot back to a moment from episode two to illustrate what you're talking about. 
this show, I think, subverts every expectation that I had about what it was going to do. So at the ending of episode two, uh, which we didn't mention last week, but at the ending of episode two, there is the, you know, they, they stage the photograph of Lasso wiping Keeley's mouth after, you know, you know, mm-hmm. she's eaten something because she's on this photo shoot. And of course, I thought, oh, great. That'll be the big misunderstood. It'll be the big explosive mm-hmm. drama. But then in episode three, almost right out the gate, well, they reveal at the end of, of, of episode two that it's actually Rebecca who has mm-hmm. staged that photograph, which is a yeah. bit of a, a gut punch because at the same time that they're revealing that, they're also revealing that those cookies that she absolutely mm-hmm. cannot get enough of, the biscuits, are ones Ted is actually baking. Yes. So it's a uh-huh. really wonderful narrative pivot to show like, oh, yeah, while she's being pretty awful he's being overwhelmingly generous and and good to her but then i thought i knew everywhere where that plot line was going to go and by the third by the first 10 minutes of the third episode Mm -hmm. it was over and done with that whole and i mean it comes back yeah that whole thing where i thought it was going to be this big scandalous thing and this big fighting Mm -hmm. thing like no that's not what we're going to tell with this story and i think that's so illustrative of how ted lasso takes so many of your expectations you're pretty sure almost arrogantly so, oh, I know that character. Oh, I yeah. know what's going to happen there. And it just doesn't. It, it, it mm. in many, many ways, will pivot to a different direction. And I think that's yeah. what's so disarming and so lovely about it overall. Um, so this is, a, our conversation here starts with an episode called Trent Krim, The Independent. And, <laughs> and, uh, and so obviously, Rebecca's ploy at this point to photograph lasso and keely in a compromised position just withers on the vine because she realizes uh that the photo can be traced back to her and that keely uh you know will not take too kindly to the fact that that rebecca is the one who staged this so she just abandons that and instead decides to set up a hit piece on lasso uh from this uh, intrepid reporter trent Krim, who has no qualms whatsoever about being very uh, abrasive, but mm-hmm. very Britishly abrasive. He's still very proper and 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 polite with everything. Uh, and good looking. He is a very good looking man. It's intimidating. <laughs> it's really intimidating. That hair. Oh my That's god. Hilarious. So um, but uh, so she decides to stage this hit piece with him, and um, again, uh, I, I I will say this, and then I will shut up and and let uh both of you say what you want to about this episode. I thought I knew where this was going. I thought, mm-hmm. okay, great. Well, Trent Krim is going to skewer him and he's going to have just an absolute like, bunch of terrible things to say because I thought this show was all going to be about Ted Lasso having to prove everybody wrong piece by piece by piece. Mm-hmm. So when even by the end of this episode, Trent Krim is not writing the version of hit piece that I so was assured he's going to be writing, um, the, the show just had me. So yeah, uh, take it away, boys. Go back. Uh, so I, I kind of toyed with y'all earlier today, saying that that one of these two episodes we're talking about tonight is possibly my favorite, if or is one of, if not my favorite episodes, and mm. and this is the one. Oh, uh, Trent awesome. Cram Independent is, I think, a singular episode that I think about when I think of Ted Lasso, um, mm. because. I, I always tell people, come for Ted Lasso, stay for all the other characters. Oh, wow. Because mm-hmm. really, Ted Lasso, he's going to be Ted Lasso. 
he's that character. But yeah. what I think the show does really compellingly is it really brings to life the side characters, uh, even mm-hmm. people like Trent Crown. Yeah. And he, he's kind of a running joke through the whole show where he's constantly asking questions and he always says Trent Grimm, the independent. <laughs> and, and I really, I really appreciate the time, at least what I perceive to be the time they put into these characters, uh, to create this atmosphere in the show. Yeah. Um, and I just like the fact that even at the end, when Rebecca's listening to Higgins read this hit, yeah. quote unquote hit piece, like it's still Trent Cram. He's still, you know, taking shots at Ted Lasso. Yeah. But you can tell that he's he's been won over. He's yeah, like, won over. Absolutely. And like it's not it's not just this you know blushingly like positive like take on on the coach. No, it's it's Trent Cram. Like he is saying horrible things in some of these spots, but he says I don't really care because mm. I think he's actually a human being. And, well, and I'm on his and, side, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. His, so. I think the final line of his piece is if the lasso way is wrong, it's hard to imagine being right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That's just a really well, yeah. lovely, lovely turn there. Yeah. Reed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause uh, yeah, he, he says in there and I think I just rewatched these two episodes, like, you know, earlier. So it's fresh in my mind, but uh, he says, uh, I can't help but root for him. Yeah, like that's yeah. the last thing he's like, even though I think this is going to be a disaster, I can't help but root for him. And I'm yeah. like, that's, that's wonderful. <laughs> so, well, wonderful. And, and Blake, you said something that is worth pondering for a moment. Cause while I don't disagree in a general sense with what you're saying, Ted Lasso, the character is going to be Ted Lasso, the character, but I actually fell really hard for how the show positions that his infectiousness does not there, there are other things at work and there's an interior mm-hmm. life to Ted Lasso. Yeah. Well, yeah. For that, sure. that was for sure. really, really a awe inspiring turn because, and at the state, at the current moment in season two, that's aired thus far, we're, we're steering into some of that too, but season two, even thus far, I would say if I have any criticism, it's like, okay, are we, are we juggling even full bore, even more inflated version of the Ted Lasso. But yeah. I do think they're doing that intentionally to kind of steer us into something more rich. Mm-hmm. But point being, I think you're absolutely right. The the supporting cast uh, become very lived in, very rich, very real. Uh, but even with all his lassoisms, um, <laughs> I just had a picture of Roy Kent doing his yeah. really terrible impression of Ted Lasso. <laughs> oh, he's, he's like poking his fingers at the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you if you want to talk pow, about pow, my, pow. if you want to talk about my favorite character on the show, it's Roy Kent. Oh, I mean, you and my it's you and my hard not to be that way. <laughs> yeah, man, Roy Roy Kent is a thing of wonder. He yes. is amazing. He is absolutely an amazing character. Him, him, and his relationship with Phoebe. Is 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 uh, life giving for me? The dog, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the, the niece. niece. Oh, yeah. she's she's wonderful. And yeah. so so speaking to that, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw some props again. I'm gonna beat this drum a lot this season uh, about how uh, Lasso disarms you. You said, um, you know, Blake, that like you're expecting Lasso to just be the podunk, just the the yeah. ignorant, absurdist, whatever. Check out this. Like, you want to talk about how disarming it is for a character. We want to look at 
Ted, or we would imagine because of the way he talks and how little he knows about football. Oh, he's just an idiot. Coach Beard really knows everything. And Coach Beard is just like keeping him up to speed. But check out this brilliance. Lasso walks into the locker room and is just like, yeah, he's got a few gifts for you up there. And everybody opens up a specifically chosen and very subtle like sort of message like, oh, uh, you know, Obasanya is reading Ender's Game. Jamie yeah. Tart is reading The Beautiful and the Damned by F. Scott Fitzgerald. And <laughs> Roy Kent, it's, right? Right? <laughs> and Roy Kent is reading A Wrinkle in Time. Now, this is why this is so immediately you, you learn to, if you're not paying attention, I'll illuminate two things that we just learned about Ted Lasso. Number one, he is insanely insightful like the fact that he can know that much about that person to know mm -hmm. this is the story that i need to share with them to unlock what i need to unlock with so just almost supernaturally insightful and clearly exceptionally well read that he would mm -hmm. know all of these books it's not just a leadership book or a team player book or whatever it's ender's game and a wrinkle in time and so then when trent Krim steps forward and yes the, the scripting is a bit on the nose but when he's like it's a lovely novel about a young girl who's burdened with the you know the burden of leadership you know yeah. and and it's like <laughs> it all comes into clarity that it's like oh yeah that's what and then roy kent is like yeah. am i supposed to be a little girl and les was like i'd like you to be <laughs> like, but but what i love so much the payoff in that you this is what brought all that up the yeah. payoff of that he's reading the book to phoebe He's reading it to Phoebe. And when he's reading it to Phoebe and he reads that line and like, it has to be me. There's no one else. And then he just puts the book down and then just yells the F word. Like, cause, <laughs> cause now he understands. He understands everything Lasso is doing. It's so perfect. Phoebe's just like, that's a bad word. <laughs> you know, but he, he, he gets it. He understands. And it's like in that moment, what they are not. They're not being too aggressive with it, but they're showing you like, yeah, no, Lasso's a brilliant coach because he knows way more than he, he does not need you to know how much he knows, but he knows it well, so good, fluid. And he's a good yeah. coach because he, he looks at the human in front of him. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He's, he's a great concentrating coach of on people, yeah, not of exactly. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't care yeah. about sport. It's, it's, you know, one sport, it's another sport is another sport. Yeah. Like, exactly right. Yeah, he's he's more concerned about. I think he says this at one point in season one is is he cares more about the, the building their character developing yeah. them as well, people. Well, he says to Trent over dinner, he says yeah, success is right. not about wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellows be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. Yeah, just. But I even like the fact that, like, as much as I like that mentality, Coach Beard, like at the end of that season, like later on. He calls BS on it. He's like, no, people do care about winning and losing. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice, it's a like, they're just all the, all the cycles that they go through on the show. Like they never drop a ball. Like mm -hmm. it all comes back around to something that you saw earlier in the season. It's yeah. yeah the and So what, what is uh, y'all look at your list and pick out your favorite Trent Krim independent episode moment. Well, I mean, okay, you yeah, go. You, yeah. you, oh, okay. This is your favorite episode of the show. So yeah, you go. Uh, I mean, I mean the the part where they're sitting at the end at, and they're at the uh, the driver's uh, family's restaurant and he orders the really hot. Oh um, yeah, yeah. The really hot food, and Trent's like, 
I don't think you should have done that. <laughs> and he takes one bite and he's like, no, I can't do this. I can't do this. He's like, but you have to. Like that whole exchange between him and Trent Krem, Trent's just like giving up. He's like, nope, sorry. This is yeah. way beyond what I can do. Well, and you got to know, I, I wondered this when I watched it. You got to know Sudeikis was like, no, give me the real thing. Exactly. Like, I need to perform yeah. with the actual heat because yeah. he looks like he's physically responding yeah, to exactly what he's experiencing. There. <laughs> um, I'll throw one out. Uh, I just thought this was hysterical. I mean, so many. The show writ large is just peppered with these bits. But <laughs> Ted gets popped in the nose with the soccer ball. And then, like a scene later, he's signing it and a drop, blood droplet falls on it. And he hands it to the kid and says, Don't use it to clone me. <laughs> I mean, just such a hysterical like line to, to have that character say. Oh my gosh, it's awesome. Um, Gosh, it's, I mean, it's hard to pick a favorite moment, but this is the moment that came to me when you yeah. you said this. So this is this is what I'm going to use. Um, it's when uh, he walks in and he finds Trent Krim like digging around, and he's like, I forget what he calls him because I didn't write it down. But when he he's like, Oh, you're like one of those little wandering vacuum cleaners, just looking for dirt. The Roomba, <laughs> the Roomba, you know, like yeah. you just looking for dirt. Uh, and I thought that was so it was such a perfect little like, Oh man, that's mm-hmm. that's great. Well, I gotta, I gotta throw one more out just because it's too funny. But I love, I love Nate slash Nathan. Not because yeah. he shares my name, but or we <laughs> share names. But it's hysterical. I mean, this wasn't the one I was going to share, but their their response. Uh, I have a tricky time hearing folks who don't believe in themselves when when Nate pitches a play to them. So that scene is hysterical. Well, then they execute his play. Trent's present for it, and it it goes well, you know, this is a non-sports person trying to talk sports plays, but <laughs> yeah. Ted says him, uh, when the play goes off, well, he says, uh, how you feel? So, so many new feelings. And Ted says, it's like getting your first pube, right? And he just walks away and, and Nate goes, what? <laughs> hysterical. Oh, I so loved wonderful. it. So, Unless y'all have more on three, any more on three, yeah. any more on three, once, mm, twice. No, nothing, nothing specific. We can go to for yeah. the children. Let's go to the auction before the children, the gala. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode four features the big fundraising gala. Uh, we are introduced, I think, for the first time to Rupert. Right? I yeah, he's been present this. in like you know photos and stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah. uh, uh, Rebecca's ex shows up, uh, kind of crashes the gala and, and showboats, kind of stealing her spotlight. And and effectively the whole episode is is centered on this gala. So so any sort of general notes, uh, and then we'll get into like favorite scenes. Well, I did. You know, I mean, we've already sung the praises and likely will every episode uh, thereafter of Roy Kent. But I just I just love so much his limitlessly grouchy. Yet he's ve- he's a very real person, and you can tell that he has like a real heart. Um, you know, so when. When he gets it and finally extends the olive branch to Jamie at the end, after everything uh-huh. that uh, to Jamie, 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 I'm never going to be able to do that. Um, 
<laughs> so when he extends the when he extends the olive branch, you know, as it were, and just like starts talking to him about like his experience when he was the young up and comer and everything, and they they come to at least for that moment an understanding and Lasso's ploy. Uh, he he parent trapped them, and his ploy has <laughs> has worked, and uh, and at least they're coming to a certain degree of understanding. I just really loved that about it. I love that you know Roy has so vigorously stood up for Nate. I love the moment when Nate. Like he's like, why are you so it's close so to me? Funny. It's so like, funny. well, I, I wanted to come in and hug you, but then I got scared. <laughs> yeah, then I chickened out. Yeah, <laughs> then I chickened out. Oh, it's, it's yeah. so great! It's so great. Um, so yeah, just uh, I, I love so much this this episode. We had already established the perpetual disarmament in the first three, and now this episode is really beginning to see like, no, uh, Ted Ted's strategy is working. It's it's making Roy be the leader that he should be. Um, mm. It's it, it's gonna break down the barriers with him and Jaime. I don't know if I said that right. There you go. You got uh, it. <laughs> um, and so uh, and then I also loved. Well, I'll mention this and then I'll give other people a chance. I also loved the exchange that uh, and and the, and the burgeoning relationship that is happening between Rebecca and Keely. I love it. Like, you know, mm. Keely looks out for her on the red carpet and yeah. uh feel like and, a teenage boy right now looking at her, <laughs> her naked pictures. Her naked pictures. <laughs> and um and then like I, I just love the exchange they have in the bathroom where where they talk about accountability. And yeah. then of course when and it has a really nice payoff, an unexpected payoff when Roy Kent actually takes her to task for making him a pawn in their jealous thing mm-hmm. with, the, with the auction where like she started bidding on him just to, make, <laughs> just to make, um, you know, uh, Jamey, uh, jealous. <laughs> I know. I don't know. Just, now he's just being, he's just being sarcastic. Now. Jamey. Jamey. Um, <laughs> but Blake, when, I know there's nothing left to talk about. Is there something? No, else? no, no. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> Hey, <laughs> read no. like I like I like I I think the I think the interesting part like this if if I'd just seen this episode separate from all the rest of the show I probably would have gone back to the show but mm. that's because the show it requires story building um, there are yeah. some episodes that you just have to build that story because I would say that this is perhaps one of the more important episodes in the first season Mm-hmm. In the sense that it's building all of the the potential conflicts that can be paid off later on. Um, and so it's not going to be showy like Trent Cram or, you know, maybe the first uh, episode. Um, it's not going to be, you know, pulling all the stops and doing every gag it can, all that stuff. But mm-hmm. it's building, it's showing us that these are real people, that these are people that have dynamic and complicated relationships with exes, with friends, with family, with all these things. And and you're starting to see that the stereotypes that they've kind of built up to this point are starting to break. Um, I think that's what I like about the show is that they're constantly breaking those stereotypes down as the show goes on. When I love how this particular episode starts to unite Rebecca and Ted, Mm -hmm. he he starts to feel a protectiveness towards her. Uh, she starts to, you know, I, cause up to, yeah. Cause Trent Krim, the independent was still her in the throes of the sab- sabotage mission. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can tell she starts to recognize him as an ally and not a, an enemy. And, um, 
So no, I really love that. And, and, you know, of course, every show need or every story needs it's, it's, it's common enemy, which is in this case, Rupert. Yeah. Um, I will throw out a couple of favorite bits from this episode because it's, it's kind of chock full of them, but most of mm. them involving Nate. And, uh, when, <laughs> when, when Ted, so Nathan shows up in the, in the suit. And of course, you know, he's dancing like an idiot and, and don't, don't strut, let the suit do the work. But when they go over to Rebecca and he, he says, great to see you again. And she says, nice to meet you. And he yeah. says, nice to meet you. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, so I, I, I've referenced this before in the context of like an arrested development, but just crisp, sharp, crackling mm-hmm. comedic yeah. kind of wordplay rooted in character. And, and that moment is so illustrative of comedy rooted in character rebecca nate is the kit man who does not mean register at her on her for does not register for her at all right you know? yeah, right so whereas he is feeling emboldened by this new suit he thinks because he's been given uh uh, uh you know they used his play successfully now he's feeling stronger in his personhood and he's oh great to see you owner of the club nice to meet you nice to meet you you know <laughs> suddenly i'm backing back off um oh, the other gosh. one i'll throw out here and then let y'all uh, pick some if you have them i love i love well, even what Woody and Buds got under each other's plastic wasn't Woody made of cloth. Not now. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I really appreciate you, but n- not right yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, oh my gosh. I, yeah. I'll, I'll toss another one out there right there where he said, yeah, that is only the second suit I owned. And the other one was when I was naked as a baby. And then like, everybody's like, but I love, I love so much Lasso's like uh, covering of him. It's like, well, the term birthday soup would have helped you out a lot there. I just, I just love that so much because then everybody chuckles about it. Yeah, I feel like there is so much for if there's anybody listening right now who is watching the show as we are airing the episodes, maybe you're just rewatching it. Um, and, and probably most people are in that camp, mm-hmm. but in case you have not seen the rest of season one and you're only listening to this because you've watched up to episodes three and four, um, then what I will say is that there is a ton, Blake, I think you made this comment or alluded to this earlier. There is a ton of homework for future payoffs that is done mm. in this episode. Uh, yeah. The Rupert dynamic, uh, the dynamics between uh, Roy, Keeley, and Jamie, like mm-hmm. the Ooh. dynamic between, no, the dynamics between um, Keeley and Jamie. <laughs> The dynamics between Keely and Rebecca, like so many things are established and sort of founded in this episode. So this yeah. is the kind of episode that I think is enjoyable on its own merits, but I think it's a bit illusory to ju- to realize just how much homework is done and how much like setting the stage for what will become major payoff moments later in the season mm-hmm. is done in this episode. Um, just, just an awful lot of it. So well, that's worth noting. And to go back to, to your comment about the crisp, crisp crispness of the dialogue, I wish I could speak. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it's not surprising coming from Bill Lawrence who did scrubs, which right. scrubs now doesn't hold up as well as scrubs did when it was on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I still like it. Don't get me wrong, but it just, it doesn't crackle like it did back then. Um, but the, when I found out that it was the same guy, I was a little thrown off. I expected the, the tab, the Ted Lasso, uh, element of it. 
Mm. Um, just because it's quirky, uh, it's, it's kind of what he does. Um, but the seriousness, the story, the storylines and whatnot threw me off a little bit. So when I saw that, I was like, is this the scrubs guy? <laughs> so, oh, wow. But, but, the, but like you said, the, the dialogue is, is paced yeah. superbly sharp. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah. That's well, wonderful. I, I, I'm pretty sure this doesn't currently exist in a, in a like hard copy DVD fashion, but I would love to just watch outtakes because you know you know they cannot make it through these scenes i mean this stuff is so so i would imagine i would imagine that really can't probably has the hardest time of all oh man you know i I don't know if both of y'all are up to date this is no spoiler but brene brown gets a name drop in this most recent uh, season oh yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah. well she's actually a huge ted lasso fan and has featured the actor who plays roy on her podcast before oh nice really yeah 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 so so does he drop that many f-words like in the real i haven't listened to it i haven't listened to it but (laughs) but in fact she recently uh posted to instagram after the most recent episode she's saying just so you know because in the episode a character references a book of hers that doesn't isn't a real book uh but it's like the name of the book is don't go into the arena without a knife or something it's just oh, silly it didn't silly, sound kind of, real <laughs> right right and she, she did an instagram thing of like i know you all watch ted lasso and uh i really don't have that book coming out and i don't really know anything about ted lasso and the camera pans around she's got a roy kent jersey on you know so it's just <laughs> that's, kind of that's funny. awesome um, that's awesome all right reed you want to take us out um yes i just want to say one thing on the oh, way please out. yes uh i also love uh La- obviously i've already sung the praises of how insightful lasso is as a character and how smart he is as a character i love the subtle shade he throws at rupert where he's like you know it occurred to me that if yeah. you could call him up and get robbie williams to come here you could just as easily have called him up and told him not to come like and i just love so much what the show shows us in that moment of like yeah ted's got his number like you might think because of the way he talks or because of his attitude that Ted's a little country bumpkin, but Ted is really on point in terms of what he needs to, at yeah, least his, what he knows about it. You know? Yeah, his emotional intelligence is off the charts. And I think Absolutely. that's what, what, what carries through the whole show is that he, because he's so in tune with people, mm-hmm. he, he can see through them. Like he can yeah. see what is, what makes them tick. Um, and he oh, sees through Rupert really quickly. What a lovely so, moment that is where he says that exact, almost that yeah. exact thing to Rebecca. He's like, you may think you're the only one who can see what he really is, yeah. but you're not. And like the yeah. look on her face, she's got, that actor has got a very, very expressive, mm. uh, you, you can see every thought that's going through her head on her face. Um, and I just, I just hate hey, it so much. Reed, I don't know if Blake, you will know this answer, but Reed, did you know there's a place you've seen the actor play who plays Rebecca before? I do know this answer. So do you want to give Blake a chance to answer? Did you know it before watching Ted Lasso? Uh, I don't remember when I discovered it, but I, I somewhere along the line, a colleague pointed out to me recently and I was like, Oh "Oh my gosh, I, I discovered it on my own, but cannot remember how I I think what it was, was I actually saw a shot. Do you mind if I just rip off the bandaid? No. Okay. I actually saw a shot of Cersei and in and right behind her yeah, is yeah. Rebecca. Rebecca. And, and I was like, wait a minute, what? Like, what? So, and but, but that was when, and so that was as I just saw an image of um, that actor uh, who played Cersei Lannister. And why am I not Lena remembering? Hedy. Lena Hetty? Yeah. I saw a, an image of Lena Hetty. And then right behind her is uh, the actor who plays Rebecca. And so I was like, wait a minute, what's going on there? But that's how I, that's how I yeah, found it out. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice. crazy. 
Um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll take this out. <clears throat> well, that has been yet another installment of Biscuits with the Boss, or as we like to say around here, hashtag TV Guideposts. Tune in next week, where we will be following this same delightful, wonderful pattern and engaging with episodes five and six, where the emotional stakes are going to rise somewhat suddenly and sharply, but into even more goodness of character and story. So join us next week for another two episodes of Ted Lasso at another installment of Hashtag TV Guideposts. TV Guideposts. You sound like a robot. Jam, <laughs> jam and talk. <laughs> Wally. That's exactly what it's. That's exactly what it's. <laughs> that's what it's like. Wow. Someone's been working on that one. That, so that just speaking happened. Of, that was just speaking of working on it. Ted, I lied to you. I hired you because I wanted this team to lose. I wanted you to fail. And I sabotaged you every chance I've had. It was me who hired that photographer to take the photo of you and Keeley. I set up the interview with Trent Krim, hoping that he would humiliate you. And I instigated the transfer of Jamie Tart, even though you'd asked me not to. This club is all that Rupert has ever cared about, and I wanted to destroy it, to cause him as much pain and suffering as he has caused me. And I didn't care who I used or who I hurt. All you good people just trying to make a difference. Ted, I'm so sorry. If you want to quit or call the press, I'll completely understand. I forgive you. You what? Why? Divorce is hard. It doesn't matter if you're the one leaving or if you're the one who got left. It makes folks do crazy things. Hell, I'm coaching soccer, for heaven's sake. (laughs) In London. (laughs) I mean, that's nuts. You and me, we're okay. Come on, just shake this hand. My arm's starting to get... (laughs) You know, I think that if you care about someone and you got a little love in your heart, there ain't nothing you can't get through together. You know what I'm saying? You're not just talking about us now, are you? Maybe. Maybe not. Okay. I'm gonna go change for practice, uh, training, practice, whatever. Who cares? I've seen you down here, boss. You liven up the place. All right. Shall we? <clears throat> this week on TV Guideposts, we venture once more to Mario England, where the Richmond, what are they? Greyhounds? Am I making that up? There's some sort of, some sort of dog, animal, mascot, are are once more out on the pitch with ye old gaffer Ted Lasso as we explore specifically episodes five, which is 
called Tan Lines in episode six, which is called Two Aces of season one of Ted Lasso. You're like, oh, I love how y'all just left me hanging. Yeah, I, I thought a, someone would be like, no, you're right, Nathan, or no, you're wrong. Like either would have been okay. No. I, I, but I had, whatever. I had, you went to a place we could not follow because I have no, <laughs> I have no insight into that. It's, it's, it's like you know, it's like raising the question somewhere. It's like, hmm, wait, is, does the carburetor go on the left side of the car? Or does the carburetor go on wow. the right side of the car? Yeah. I'm like, I, 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 I don't. What's have, really funny is you probably contribute. even just posed that question incorrectly. That probably like, yes. Yeah, like, you're like <laughs> the left or the right side of the car. Like that's <laughs> the carburetor <laughs> is is on your wheel. Okay, like it's like something. It's like I know so little about cars. I'm like I'm like that's the thing you steer when you sit. Oh, mm. so anyway, we're talking about episodes five and six of Ted Lasso season one. Dave, uh, uh, this is your first uh, uh, conversation with us as we've been walking through this season. Remind us slash remind me what was your Ted experience previous to maybe watching it for this run or, had, you know, what, what was your experience thus far? Well, I, I started watching it when they first released. Okay. Uh, I kind of felt like I was the only one watching it because every time <laughs> I would go online, uh, somebody would be complaining about another having to sign up to another service. Um, uh-huh. And uh, so I felt a little bit alone, but then, you know, it started catching fire and people were talking about it. For me, um, it took me about, I don't know, three episodes um, to really get into it. Not that I wasn't Seems enjoying to be a thing. it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was enjoying it, but uh, I think by, which is fitting, because by the fourth, fifth, sixth episode, I was definitely all in. And uh, I mean, even rewatching it this time, you just feel the pull of the show. It's like, well, I know it just, had to watch two episodes but now i want to keep going <laughs> yeah <laughs> got exactly that, got that uh that draw to it so yeah that's that was kind of my experience <laughs> it's funny you say that because we are recording this episode this podcast episode for episodes five and six of ted and then immediately after this reed and i will partner up with a buddy to do seven through ten <clears throat> and so i've watched the last half dozen of the season just in the last few days. And, and my wife is a huge Ted Lasso fan. And, and two nights ago I had two episodes left and it was like 11, 15 and she had joined me on the couch for them. And I started to wind down. I was like, I'm done. And, uh, she's like, really? Like she started giving me crap. Like I couldn't <laughs> hang like, no, you are right. I, I can't <laughs> I want to go to well. bed. So, so, so no, I'm with you at, uh, or she's with you at least, you know, in terms of, uh, the compelling, the compulsive nature of, of continuing it. Um, it draws you right back in. Couldn't agree more. If I can, uh, take the lead here, uh, yeah, episode you five, you know, th- th- this recurring theme and read, you even just referenced it of the, uh, uh seems to be uh, a through line or however you phrase it of people's locking in after a few episodes right. i was definitively enjoying it after a few episodes but something about episode five pushed me over into ardent of appreciator and fan of this show mm-hmm. uh 10 lines the 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 premise of this particular episode is ted whom we know up till now at least peripherally have some some marital struggles that are, are at work um this episode features for the first time 
I can't remember. They're not on screen at all before this, right? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, not on screen. No. Yeah. Um, yeah. his his uh, estranged or in the middle of a separation wife and son come to visit him. Uh, and that's sort of the arc of the episode. And I think I was just in my initial viewing really unprepared for how hard they steer into the, the vein as it were of the emotional through line of this show. And so I would sort of point to episode five as just, it, it, it kind of bowled me over the first time we watched it in, 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 in some pretty particular ways. Uh, but mainly I just want to highlight for me as, as Blake did last week for episode three and Trent Krim um, on that super uplifting episode about the movie, the woodsman um, <laughs> uh, episode five was the one that really changed the conversation for for me as it related to the show it, it was just a really powerful episode i don't know if y'all had any of that energy the same uh well I'll, I'll i'll pick up that baton like honestly uh so yes i was already i've shared before like i was already bought in on the show by that point um what impressed me the most about episode five and specifically the way that it handles the relationship between ted and his and his wife um is most of the time when we are privy to the the dissolving of a of a marriage on screen it usually involves some big profound trauma something that has happened either you know one of the spouses has been unfaithful or there's been some massive betrayal of some sort if not infidelity um and one of the things that i really appreciated about this is it dove into this conversation with two people who generally seem by all accounts to be good people. We know Ted to be, and what little we know of, of his wife, she seems to be a good person. It's just that their relationship seems to not be doing what they had hoped for it. And it's, it's, it's just not working for them anymore. Now, however many, uh, however many feelings people may have about whether or not they should stick it out. We also know that they've gone to therapy. We know that they've, been trying to make it work. And and I just appreciated that here was a, a display of a very difficult season in these two people's lives that didn't have to point to one of them being the bad guy. Naturally, if you're going to lean on that side, we know more about Ted than we know about his wife. So that's probably where things would lead if people if, just for the general audience. But neither one of them are really, really presented as a villain. It's just presented as people who have come to a decision to go their separate ways. And I appreciate the sensitivity with which they displayed that. I appreciate um, the fact that neither one of them needed to, to make some big villain out of the other, uh, even following, and it's in the very next episode, even following their decision that they are going to go their separate ways. Um, she's still, you know, from across the miles, she's still supportive of him as a person and she's still yeah. you know at least presenting verbally like hey we're rooting for you we're watching the game you know so this seems like there's a real effort at amicability it seems like there's a real a real effort for them to remain uh friends for their son's sake and just for the sake of of their life and for the love that they'll probably always have for each other but just recognizing the parting of ways that they're coming to and I just appreciated that that it didn't fall into so many of the easy traps of when marriages break apart well, and Dave, I want you to speak, I promise. But uh, 
I think, I think, uh, I think a thing that really rang out to me about this episode is how well the creators know what they're doing. Meaning it really impressed me that they were willing to say Ted is a particular type of personality that is not going to work for everybody. You know what I mean? Like that Mm -hmm. clearly it's more than simply his personality, but that's, that's a lot of what he verbalizes, which is Mm -hmm. I kept trying, I kept trying the, you know, hopefully I'm not being hyper reductive or missing the mark there, but that seems to be the, a general point is the, the type of personality he is really made it hard for them to, to, to sync up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I guess I was just really impressed with the willingness to, to kind of show that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dave, what do you, what do you think? Well, I think part of the strength of how they depict that whole marital struggle thing too, is how it uh, parlays that into the, um, you know, and largely by way, I think um, using the the sun um mm. there's a really it's a really quick scene where they're in bed and the sun is right in between mm-hmm. the two of them. and i mean you obviously have moved from this um you know this tear belt moment and you just see him uh if i'm correct in that moment you see him uh crack a little smile in lying mm-hmm. in bed in what's uh you know what's a, a terribly tough and horrible moment and the whole focus seems to be on the sun right in the, the center. And, and the sun kind of um, is used too to bring us into the football team, like his role as a coach. And mm-hmm. I think that's where, I think that's where it works um, uh, doubly as strong because it's not just about the marriage, but it's using that like thematically to say something about um, who this guy is as a coach. And, uh, and then, just kind of placing that into the context of his relationship with the, not only his son, but the, the players as well. Yeah. I think, you know, just the way they wrote that into, you know, sometimes um, things are thrown your way and you got to be willing to change and mm. uh, perhaps pivot and um, figure things out on the, on the go, like the way they work that into the speech. Mm-hmm. the team i thought was yeah really, really well done yeah absolutely um we've spent a lot of time understandably on the the sort of the main the biggest thing about it uh do you if anybody has anything more that they want to say about that then I, I certainly don't want to steal that thunder but i just wanted to mention a couple of other things if we if we can to um you know, to, to, that are in Go this ahead. episode yeah. that aren't related to the relationship yep. so um first of all we see the first seeds of uh the keely and roy mm-hmm. dynamic that's gonna gain steam throughout the rest of the season so really like some of the some of the ways that starts um and you see it right from the beginning you see the chemistry from like the first time even back when she was still with jamie and they had some interactions you still saw the chemistry that the pair of them had together but i really like that that's actually starting to go somewhere in this um i absolutely love the scene when for the sake of the team, and it, I mean, it, it has such a great payoff too. For the sake of the team, mm-hmm. Ted makes the decision to pull Jamie out. Like it's all, he's, he's been struggling so much to get through to him. And then finally making the decision to pull him off of there because he's all about me, me, me. And then that being why they won the game 
and how they won the game. Um, it's just, it's, it's a really, really exciting and, and affecting kind of thing. Um, and so I, I, I loved that. I love that whole scene where he's running up to the bleachers and then how everybody thinks he's just so idiotic for pulling Jamie off, but he's, he's actually got, uh, and, and, and it even comes back at the end when that, that one belligerent townsperson it, uh, walks around he's like, you know, and he says, Hey, wanker, good job, you know, tonight. Mm-hmm. You know? And then, and this is right after Ted has, has definitively declared to his wife that they can go their separate ways. So he's just in an emotional state sitting there on the bench with beard. Um, but then gets that affirmation that something is working. And I love, even in that moment, even when he's in the depths of the moment, he's like, yeah, keep watching. Maybe we'll turn this thing around. I'm just like, man, God, that's it, it's, it's a great portrait to me of his hard, hard fought for optimism. Like mm. it's not something that is automatically intrinsic. It's a perpetual choice that he keeps making. Um, and as we see uh, throughout the course of this season, and it becomes even more clear in season two, which we'll talk about eventually, um, it, it, it actually comes at a cost to Ted. And I think the, the show was planting the seeds from that. Uh, along the way so really love that about it we should tip our hat to uh the great roy sam moment on the field when roy pauses him before getting up (laughs) sam ostensibly gets hurt and just that's gonna have such a great payoff later in the season um anything else on episode five ten i do uh, i want to give dave a chance and if he has nothing i have one more moment i want to mention oh i was just gonna um maybe tack on to this i i might be leading into episode six too here but um the uh i uh, that's just an example of how they use that relationship with his wife um you know that that line that sticks out for me there is that it's important for him to recognize that he's not quitting Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and that i think plays into his decision to pull jamie and sets that up for a relationship you know down the road because that plays out in the you know in in the coming episodes as well yeah that he's not just giving up on this kid that he's 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 not pulling him and to make a statement but uh there's actually something richer going on there underneath Mm -hmm. and uh, i think we get that sense of, of ted as a character from that line in that relationship um, you know, it's not meant to elevate him above his, you know, his wife. It's just uh, it's supposed to make a a key statement about um, the kind of character he is and the kind of person he is. Mm-hmm. Sets it up for those other relationships. Yeah, I absolutely agree. The one small moment that I wanted to mention is I love after they um, after it's clear that they're going to win. Uh, when Nathan jumps into Ted Lasso's arms, he's like, I'm sorry, I'm just so excited. And then, <laughs> then even right after that, Ted like turns him around and hands him to Beard, and he's still got like his knees up and everything, and he's like, Woo! As Beard like carries him away. <laughs> it's such a delightful little moment. So just love that so much. I had to mention that. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, uh, speaking of things I love, episode six, Two Aces introduces us to no, 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 Danny Rojas, Danny Rojas. What, what, what a great entrance. I mean, that that is such a well structured in terms of the arc of the season and the the ebbs and flows of it. Like 
Danny mm-hmm. Rojas entering the narrative is just like wind in the sails. It's so good. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh man, he is a he is pure delight. He is mucho mucho joy <laughs> from the very very beginning. I love him so so much. Uh, yeah. Dave, what are what are some of your thoughts on episode six? Similar. I, I'm. I, <laughs> I uh I did this the last time I was on. I think conflating these episodes in my head, watching them together, but. Um, <laughs> I think they go together so perfectly that you, um, you know, watching, watching episode six with episode five kind of caps up that narrative arc and brings it to uh, a nice, you know, full circle in terms of, of how it's going to play up the setup or play mm-hmm. off that up in episode five into like into the game and, um, into the relationships that unfold and uh, the curse uh, episode six is the curse one, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. That is the curse one. Mm-hmm. I, I actually really like that, uh, that element because they don't really tip their, well, I mean, I guess they kind of do, but um, just you're, you're totally in it with the players all the way through just, uh, you know, buying into this and, and, and into the lesson. And I think <laughs> it, it really kind of lands, um, you know, it lands with the viewer the same way it does with the players. At least for me, it did. Um, yeah. Kind of take away the lesson that uh, that he's trying to <laughs> hand the players. But um, yeah, I really liked how they used it to kind of dig underneath um, their backstories and share yeah, a little- oh, it was great. Great mm-hmm. expositional uh, uh, construct there. Well, and it's funny, and and we can double back into the episode. But when I watched this one. You know, the 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 scene around the fire barrel on the field is a certain resolution. Well, then there's effectively the epilogue, which is Rebecca having or, you know, the other team, uh, what we learned to be guided by Rebecca having pulled Jamie from the team. Yeah. And and it's funny because that night I watched this, I started to think after the fire barrel scene, I was like, oh, I can I can turn this off. I can't remember what's going on here. Oh, yeah. Oh, 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 right. You know, I mean, that is that's tough, man. And 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 the show knows it's tough because Ted knows it's tough. Like that is not a good thing that happens there. Yeah, that's that's difficult. Well, and she it, it crashes in on her or at least one thing that to her has been a mystery for much longer than it has been to us. It crashes in on her because that's when she finally finds out that Ted has been baking the cookies that he gives to her mm. with biscuits oh, yeah, to the boss yeah, yeah. Yeah. because he says, you know, I hope those aren't as good as the last batch. And then he said, Oh, darn it. I finally <laughs> cracked the recipe. You know, like it's, it's, it's so great. And that's when, yeah, it crashes down on her of just like, Oh my God. Like all he is doing is just giving and being generous. Right, and she right. continues to be so racked by her fury at her ex-husband that uh, she continues to sabotage this. Honestly, that whole sequence uh, of them ending the curse, I don't want to spoil too much of my thoughts, which are going to be shared on the next episode, but for Dave's sake and, and just to sort of tee it up here right now, I'll say like that, that is an, that is a scene that I think is very indicative of the spirit of the show. I've already called it out with last episode, but there's a real undercurrent that stuck out to me this time around of, the, the, the good things having a cost to them. And I feel like this show, one of the reasons why it resonates so much is because these things are not automatic. These, these characters were not simply handed better fortunes. They were not simply mm. handed uh, a better situation. 
there is a cost to moving forward. There is a cost to seeing things differently. There's a cost to team unity. There's a cost to Ted's optimism. Like all of these things have a cost to it. And that scene really represents to me uh, in a microcosm how much that is is indicated throughout the show is that they're all having to take things which mean a lot to them and they're having to sort of offer it up in this in this um, albeit probably a psychological ceremony you know because don't know if you believe in ghosts or not but as ted says it's more important that they believe in themselves um <laughs> but but it's you know they're they're putting it all in um and the unity that they find at the end of that uh, again just indicates something that I've already mentioned more than once, which is just that, yes, these good things come at a cost. Well, you know, one, the things that are offered up to the fire jam is that it's a beautiful, it's an amazing scene that really yes. takes mm-hmm. a character. You, you, you do kind of have a great dislike for, and suddenly, mm. and that that's Dave, you pointed that out, but like what they do in that scene does so much heavy lifting from a character building standpoint yes. uh, that one being one of them but i, I can't fail to mention nate a little girl once said i look like clive owen in these sunglasses i, I don't think i can do it <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, so nate's and then obviously collins with the whole like my keys to my lamborghini and they're like are yeah. you getting home <laughs> yeah. and then and then uh i just love so much because i love higgins god i love higgins so much but he's just like gonna miss you cindy clawford (laughs) 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 the cat thing in there oh it's so great uh, we mentioned denny rojas i love his entrance and i love that ted's response is you are a spirited fella (laughs) (laughs) you know like here's the other thing oh my god I'm, i'm 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 ultra previewing next week but like here's another thing like even that character who is nothing he could have just as easily just been a simple caricature. And it is arguable that even through the rest of the season, Danny Rojas is very singular note. But I love so much after we, the audience, feel the weight of, oh, man, Jamie's come around. Look how far Jamie's come. We're on board with Jamie. He's part of the team. What? Rebecca sabotaged and transferred him back. And Ted's feeling the weight of it. He's downtrodden and everything. The music is melancholy. And then Danny Rojas pokes his head in Mm -hmm. and much more tenderly, much more gently football is life. You know, like it's again, it's, it's that continued undercurrent of, you know, this is something that we tell ourselves and something that we do for ourselves that cost us something. It's not free and it's not easy, but it is real. And I I think that's very valuable. I think that's worth considering. So yeah, it's kind of like his, I am group. Only because of the incredible, scripting of it uh, a conversation about episode six feels like it's incomplete unless we just say plan 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 not plan not plan i'm not no not plan <laughs> plan 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 <laughs> become a sound yeah what's that called again semantic satiation <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, oh anything else on episode six dave any any final thoughts no, I, I think, uh, I mean, especially what you said, Reed, uh, I think the, it, that kind of reshapes how I'm thinking about his relationship with his wife, too. Mm. The idea that every choice comes with a cost. Like, it, I mean, it's not, um, I, I think it's easy to walk away from that scene feeling like it's all, okay, you know, easy, um, undramatic and just kind of 
they're okay with coming to this place. But obviously, you know, that comes with the cost of something that he didn't want. Mm -hmm. And that plays out into having to bear that, you know, out into his other choices and his other relationships and kind of reshaping, refiguring out who he is. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I think that doubles back down on, on the weight, (laughs) even though it's such a simple uh, or undramatic thing that there's a real weight behind that, that the show writes back into it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You want to take us out? That has been another installment of TV Guideposts. Guideposts. Guideposts? Guide. Guideposts. Posts. 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 Post-it. Postal. Post. Postmates. Richmond till we die. Richmond till we die. We know we are. We know we are. Richmond till we die. All right. All right. (laughs) My life as a footballer. Oh, it's so wonderful. Mate, what do I need to win? Two triple twenties and a bullseye. (laughs) Good luck. Mm. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work, and all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. You know, they thought they had everything all figured out, and so they judged everything, and they judged everyone. And I realized that they're underestimating me. Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? (laughs) Which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to 16 when he passed away. listeners we're donning monikers for the evening and I'm, I'm very i'm very delighted by this so so we are adopting personas and uh i am adopting the persona uh at least you know in the zoom name uh of the director of football operations higgins uh so i'm leslie gonna be higgins, higgins. No, leslie higgins that's exactly right he's a feminine junior um <laughs> so <laughs> leslie, leslie higgins and uh, yeah, I did not don uh, my my particular special facial hair because I can't grow any facial hair. But uh, but I am here nonetheless. So and then uh, in the seat uh, of none other than he's here, he's there, he's every f and where. Roy Kent is Josh Rouse, uh, and then I Oy. I think uh, <laughs> I think only YouTube viewers will be able to appreciate uh, not only the name you chose, Nathan, but how you spelled it. So uh, so right. and everybody. No, oh, it's, it's you... Jamata, and it is spelled phonetically. So. <laughs> you, you say it, Nathan. What is it? Jamie, Jamie. I'm Jamie Tart. 
There's no other me. There's only one Jamie. Gosh, I don't know how he does it. What am I supposed to do? Shower alone. <laughs> Josh, welcome back to the show. It feels appropriate. Like, you know, you've maybe tried over the years to get me to appreciate sports in in a way that Ted appreciates. Sports. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. I love what is the episode where he's talking to the ref and he's like, no, really explain to me what's going on. <laughs> during wait, the game. wait, let me, I'll tell you. He says, oh, I hang on. That'll be later. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, he doesn't understand offsides. And the irony of this right. show, if I'm jumping ahead, I'm sorry, but the irony of this show is it's soccer. And of all the sports I love, uh, soccer's not up there. So an apology already <laughs> to those I might offend. <laughs> and yet, and yet here you are. Here I am. That's right. So we're going to, as we've been doing, we're going to briefly track through episodes seven through 10, uh, mm-hmm. pausing at each to do a little bit of, uh, editorializing commentate on those episodes, uh, that will then pivot us into a couple of lists. And we'll go from there. But episode seven, as we have been doing, episode seven is Make Rebecca Great Again or Murga. Um, <laughs> fancy, fancy that. Um, this is the travel game um, where it's it's got a lot of Rebecca Keeley stuff. Um, it's got Ted's st- Ted's marital story kind of resolving itself uh, and features a cameo by the Iron Giants. So it's a lot of fun. So let's oh man, let's track through murga real quick any any standout moments we want to talk about i just want to mention that yes i i mean iron giant is one of like is a top five film for me i absolutely love the iron giant my affection for it is boundless and i love that that's the movie that they're watching so just enough said about that but man i love that i i think the whole i think the whole episode is is fantastic um just the whole even from the very beginning when nate gets locked in the bus and uh (laughs) You know, it, it is it is taking them out of their comfort zone into this this new found uh, this new place. Uh, just I, I love it's one of my favorite episodes uh, of the first season. It's That's awesome, Josh. I, I want to. I, I feel bad. I, I'm we jump right into the episodes, uh, but I did want to give you a moment. So right now, so you know, in, in case you're unaware, we're in the middle of this. What saves us? One of our uh, mine and Reed's personal friends and and listener to the show, Jeff Hansen, recommended Ted Lasso as his What Saves Us, which is really amazing. Um, but I know you kind of came to the show a while before I did because you're you you just wouldn't leave me the hell alone about whether I had or hadn't watched Ted Lasso. Um, I, I think Josh that you knew about the ESPN stuff. That was a little bit, I was a little late to that part, but talk a little bit about, you know, did you jump in as the show was starting to air? What, what was your approach to the show? Yeah, no. Um, I had actually seen Sudeikis's Ted Lasso. Didn't know who he was on commercials. It was actually on NBC. Oh, when they okay. were doing mm-hmm. uh, soccer. They were doing soccer. They were they had, had landed some soccer deal. So Sudeikis came in and was doing this character, which I thought you know it was funny for a little commercial um, pitch. But then um, then I it, you know it came on Apple TV, and we didn't have Apple TV, but we had friends who all of a sudden started talking about it, and specifically around Christmas time. Um, and so we, we, my wife and I took the plunge. We watched. And I mean, from the first episode, it was like, we, this is it. You know, we, we've got to mm. stay with this. And we loved 
We loved it. Um, I'll say I was stunned by how much I loved it. I have actually <laughs> watched it three times now. Um, <laughs> Me too. Through. Me too. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and we'll probably come back and watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's one of the, it's a breath of fresh air uh, mm-hmm. for, for so many reasons. Um, but I, I I think the world of Coach Lasso and Coach Beard. <laughs> and um, uh, I, it's funny, though, you're making a connection. So, uh, you know, Bill Lawrence, I think, is involved with this. Am, am yeah. I right about that? Yeah, yeah. Scrubs yeah. guy. No, I, you're right. Yes, Scrubs. And so my wife and I, when we first got married, Scrubs was one of our shows. And so that mm. was that was kind of cool. You know, he even feel it because there's a little bit, a little bit yeah. of, of that <clears throat> kind of silliness in it. So, uh, you know, Beard and Lasso are almost a, a grown up version of Turk and JD a little bit. Um, mm. But anyway, we, uh, we yeah, I, I think the world of of uh of the show and uh, but we'll get into more nuts and bolts here in a minute i'm sure but yeah yeah we, yeah, well, we love speaking, it speaking of butts o'brien's torn butt in this episode back into target <laughs> here uh that's a that's a pretty deaf segue for us all um <laughs> i <welcome. laughs> yeah you're thank you uh, you know there's so much great about this episode and this little pocket mm-hmm. of episodes specifically like if 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 kind of one through three or a bit of an on-ramp to the vibe and rhythm of the show uh, five kind of turns a corner into a heavy emotionality that you might not have expected. This run really lets us sink our teeth into the dynamic that has been uh, established uh, amongst this team and these coaches and the owner, uh, especially in terms of Rebecca. But I want to highlight uh, we are prone in these comment- episode commentaries to to stay on the lighter, frothier side, but I find the locker room sequence where Nate is 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 by Ted's uh, insistence giving his speech to mm. individual players to be incredibly powerful and in how it how and where it lands with Roy and and mm-hmm. you know we can we can and maybe maybe should when we get to season two do a whole uh, conversation of centering on Roy Kent but. I, I watched a brief YouTube interview with Bill Lawrence Sudeikis and Brendan Hunt, who plays Beard and is also one of the writers. And they were talking about this scene and just the resonance what Nate says to Roy has to 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 men in general about his anger and what he does with his anger and how if he doesn't find ways to release and or healthily vent this it will it will kind of mess him up really badly and i don't know i just really find this a very powerful scene not because of the silliness though that's funny but because of how roy and nate finish this scene um you just know something real special happens between those two characters and i think it's important the show is very deliberate i think it's really impactful that despite it being about a premiere football team, soccer team, um, we only see a couple of games and we don't see this game, which is one of their biggest wins in the season. But the reason it's important is what happened in the locker room. That's it, it is the moment you're talking about. And I love the fact that the show doesn't then just show us the game. It shows us Nathan delivering everything to the players and then the impact it has on Roy Kent. You know, as they charge out to the field, that they're about to do something special. And then we just get like, it just comes right back to it. It comes right back to the moment that 
they have won the game and now they're in celebration phase. And that's just, it's amazing. It's really amazing. Um, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I'll no, no, right there that, that scene, uh, you know, while it, it does start funny, you know, then when, it, when, when Nate starts delivering his haymakers very quietly, <laughs> very quietly though, um, <laughs> when, when, what I love about Roy and you see his transformation throughout this first season mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. he's like, go on, finish it. And he throws, he's the one that throws the notes, right? Then yeah. He, no, he, yes. he takes them out he of Nate's them. hands and he, chunks them he takes them to my and face. He, yes. And, and I'm, you know, in a little bit, I've got more to say about this, but that that's him to me. It's, it's such a Nathan, you mentioned the, the, what it means to be a man and dealing with anger and stuff. But to me, it's, it's so, powerful that roy is like no i want i want this tell it to mm, me yeah. i need to know the truth and tell it to me straight huh. uh, yeah it's it it a powerful powerful moment yeah, that's wonderful and that's all the first half of the episode like yeah the like we we have other episodes to get to in lists and you know thematic substance so i'll just mention briefly like the stuff they do in the back half of the episode with yeah. all the stuff that we're finding out from rebecca's friend sassy about her and her singing in a very beautiful <laughs> voice the let it go song from Frozen. I've never been so moved by let it go as I did when Rebecca like hears <laughs> yeah. it and sings it. And then did you um, catch, I'm sorry to cut you off. Did you catch that Roy's mouthing the words to it? Yes. Oh, I did that moment. Oh, that's oh yeah. Great. Oh, and she's singing. Is... He's in frame while Keely's watching Rebecca and he's mouthing the words. That is yeah. amazing. Which given his relationship with Phoebe does not surprise sure. me. It shouldn't surprise me. Phoebe. Um, uh, but, uh, but then, you know, pivoting from that into, a real profound moment of substance with, with Ted um, uh, when he has his first on-screen panic attack. Um, mm. It's just, it's, it's incredibly powerful. This show has an ability to really um, just dive into the fact that these characters are not cookie cutter. They're not simplistic. There is a rich underbelly of things happening in their emotional landscape that um, might be taken for granted if you're just judging the way they react to certain things, but there's a lot under the surface. And I just, I love so much that the show takes time to eliminate that. Um, yeah. Do do we want to just for time's sake, do we want to go ahead? Does anybody else have anything on seven or do you want to move on to eight? I, I was going to say, read that, that moment that you, in, in my third viewing <laughs> of this episode, <laughs> when it is such a poignant, such a poignant moment because she gets up and here's this woman who's been so, I mean, Rebecca's hard. Right. Yeah. You know, she's, right, she, right. But then she sings a children's song mm-hmm. um, that's beautifully. She sings it. And um, but then you have Ted, who's been our kind of hero of all things, mm-hmm. childlikeness, who mm-hmm. breaks down mm-hmm. in the middle. Of, and it, it one of the things that I, I noticed as I watched it again was the way they treat loneliness in this show. Mm-hmm. Um and that, that that's one of those moments where, and then, then they, then she's there, like he's going through this and the song's playing and then she's there for him. Um, it's a powerful moment of, of the show's answer, I think, to what ails us in terms of our loneliness and, and what we need yeah. um, is a powerful moment. Well, and it also draws a very direct line to uh, the scene. He has the only, uh, the last on-screen scene he has with Michelle, his soon to be ex-wife when what does she say to him she says you're not quitting you're what letting me letting go. me go let mm-hmm. it go yep. let it go mm-hmm. um next. Some dan brown stuff right there whoa 
(laughs) 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 Well, uh, uh, speaking of Dan Brown, how about these diamond dogs? So uh, we get introduced to the, the, I don't know, quartet, quintet of Higgins, (laughs) Nate's, Beard, Ted, uh, ultimately maybe Roy at some point. They they dubbed themselves the Diamond Dogs, helping Ted, uh, initially helping Ted through his life transition from uh, married man to not married man. So that's kind of the the arc of this episode. But, you know, want to just kind of open it up to any real specifics y'all want to highlight real quick. Well, I want to come. I want to come back to Diamond Dogs, but first of all, I just want to uh, highlight the the glory that is Danny Rojas and when Keely is trying very hard to get marketing ploys for everybody. She's like, "So wait, what do you you you're you're into joy?" And he's like, "Yes, <laughs> mucho mucho joy." And then she's like, well, "I don't know that I can really market that." And he's like, "I like to give joy away for free." <laughs> like, Danny Rojas is, is borderline saint at this point. Danny Rojas. He's so wonderful. <laughs> mucho, mucho joy. Oh man, I love it. So I just had to highlight that before we get back into the diamond dog. Question. Well, I'm not I'm not yeah, looking please, at the, Josh. I'm not looking at the, the summary of the episode in front of me, which I probably should be, but is this the one with the captaincy and Roy? Or is that is that nine? No, that's no, later. That's it's nine. later. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. All apologies. A little Nirvana reference for you there, boy. Mm-hmm. Um I do I in, in honor of my Zoom name here, I do <laughs> one of the best best Jamie Tequila lines. He says you saw a great Jamae inside of an already great Jamae. <laughs> 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 He's so dumb. It's so oh great. My gosh. Um, <laughs> and I, I love the, um, you know, I, the, the first Diamond Dogs meeting with, with Ted is great. But then when he, when Roy comes to Ted to talk about every, every single moment of the Roy and Keeley stuff in this episode is amazing. It's wonderful. And, when he finds out that Keeley, thinking Roy has patently rejected her, uh, mm-hmm. re, uh, you know, reconnects with Jamie. And then when she does that, she feels the need to confess that to Roy because then Roy comes back and rekindles the interest. Um, and then Roy is so torn up about it. And I just love mm-hmm. it's I just love the moment so much where uh, he's trying to talk to Ted and he's just like, no, 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 we're going to get this straightened away right now. He said, I've just called the diamond dogs but my favorite part is that like the nathan walks in he's like all right this is about you and keely right and then like he just sets up in his place and then coach beard comes back and is like yeah i've been waiting for this and then higgins like ah young courtship you know like it's just such a delightful <laughs> thing they're all coming together with such vigor and verve and it's just it's wonderful and then so that whole scene is just so brilliant the way it's structured uh, the way Ted kind of goads him in the, you know, uh, yo, yeah, then by all means, you should let them control you. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> so, oh, he's doing it again. And then, and then like, and d- and deliver, then deliver the line, Reed, deliver the line. It's like, grow up and get over it. <laughs> so, it's just, it's just wonderful. It's, it's, it's so brilliant. It's should so we great. say whatever we might be addressing in our later lists, we leave on the table? in this rundown uh i think that's smart just for, for time's sake, sake time. so we don't yeah yeah so I, there is one major mm-hmm. thing that happens in this that i am absolutely positive uh will come up but something that might not for me on my end uh and then i don't think i've given josh a chance to speak yet but the um uh higgins quits at the end he's finally had that's enough rough. yeah and then at the moment he quits 
then suddenly Keely comes in and outs Rebecca. It's a real low point for Rebecca, who is coming off of, again, the moment that we're bypassing for the second, for this second, we're bypassing it. But she's coming off of a very sort of moment of high and, and kinship and solidarity. And then to just be whammed with that, that Higgins quits on her. And then Keeley confronts her about taking the photo of her and Ted earlier in the season, which the reason I want to highlight that is because the show is smart. They introduced that in, in episode one about the whole, like, or uh, yeah, I can't remember if it's even one I or two. The photo but, is two, but yeah. Yeah. The, so the photo is in two where it's like he takes the, and, and you think that's going to be the end of it. Like basically like, oh, they did away with that plot line. The fact that it comes back, but comes back with importance to character relationship. That's really smart writing. That's incredibly smart writing. It's not merely a plot device. It's rooted in character connections. And I, I find that really impressive. Um, Josh, I've just barreled through everything. I have given you a chance to speak. Did you have anything else to add on this that hasn't already been brought up? No. It, it, the, the irony, though, of the, of the Keeley and Roy relationship is, is just it's so funny to watch that versus, you know, contrasting that with the Jamie Keeley uh, mm. relationship that Roy, you know, and, and, and when she when she's pressing him for where, where were you? Who were you with? What were you That's doing? That's so funny. And he's like, oh, it's yoga with 60 year old women who don't know what I do. And, <laughs> you know, he tells about one of them having a problem and we stayed up and talked and yada, yada, yada. That scene is so funny when he tells her what he was actually doing. It is amazing. It is so amazing. Roy well, Kent and, is a And the fact wonder. that they, they keep that as a part of the yeah. show moving forward yeah. is really great. <laughs> um, I think episode nine is what you're referring to a minute ago, Josh. This is all apologies. Um, Roy kind of wrestles with his playing career coming to a close. Uh, Keely keeps ragging Rebecca about telling Ted of the photo. Um, Feel free opening the door here for, um, you know, again, maybe, maybe hold what might be on later lists. uh, But if there's any specific notes, I will throw out just because it's honestly the non later list. Only real thing I have here. Uh, Roy, I never know how to react when a grown man does the Carlton in front of me. <laughs> oh, God, it's so that, great. That, I didn't, that, that'll yeah. make you want to just sit right there. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, I didn't that give scene, you a chance to speak first, so you go ahead. No, well, that, that, scene, that scene is one of my favorite scenes in the whole stinking shebang. That that scene where he starts dancing and then he's talking about the whole the, the Aunt Viv dynamic. Yeah. Um, in yeah, Fresh Prince, um, but but the one of my favorite lines in that is a, is a Roy Kent one when he comes to him and you know Lasso has charged him with you got to pick your new captain, your new captain mm. and and he tells him he comes to him and I think I think it's when all the guys or well some of the guys are around the Diamond Dogs there and but he comes in there and he says this is why it's so hard to love you. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear that? I think he said he loves you or whatever version of that. (laughs) So great. It's so great. Um, So there's a one. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, Reed. I was going to say one one other thing, one other thing, and this may, I hope I'm not stealing any thunder here, but I think on again, my third watch, I think this is the only episode that lets the credits run while things are happening. It is the only episode. Yeah. And I will What's be spending on? some yeah. And I will be spending okay. some time talking about that okay. scene. Um Okay. Huh. Well, I'll leave that there. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So Nathan, I'll talk I'll be talking okay. about that moment later. So so we'll we'll leave that for right now. Um a couple of smaller moments that I want to mention. I uh, love that Ted rewinds out of Rebecca's office. That's hysterical. <laughs> um 
Uh, I also love uh, Coach Beard. Give one. The show is very funny and consistently very funny. But the sight gag when Coach Beard starts moving away from him and then oh, that's he turns hysterical. To look at Nathan. That's great. When he turns back, Coach Beard is all the way down. He's like, "Oh, oh it's like that now." Like, <laughs> it's, it is so that was funny. great. Yes. Um, and then I love the. Um, this is something that I picked up on this time. It goes nowhere. But it just stuck out to me. This this episode includes the phrase, the body is a miracle twice. Mm-hmm. And it is the first about time pooping and vomiting with Danny, right? Well, that's with. Yeah. With Danny, <laughs> it's about like the fact that the body can do those things at the same time. The body really is a miracle. But then so that stuck out to me like, oh, that's a funny line. But then later, um, Keely is trying to just distract herself because Roy's not talking to her about what's going on. And she says, referencing Phoebe's like. The fact that they've got little teeth that push out their baby teeth and come down. The body really is a miracle. And I'm like, why do they say that line twice? Like two different characters say that again. I got no thematic note to put on it. I just thought that was interesting that the two different characters about really awkward and uncomfortable things that the body does says the body is a miracle. So I just that's impressive to me. Um, well, you, that's the you reference you reference there reading. I'll throw this as a last note on episode nine. I, I love the scene where Roy is lamenting being Roy Kent and Keely calls Phoebe over to to describe oh, him, wonderful. you know, and yeah, she says wonderful. half a dozen things and none of them are are football related. It's a really, mm. really beautiful scene. Um, last notes on nine. Anybody? Anybody going once? Uh, going twice? I, I am good to move on. Episode 10. Mm, the hope that the kills hope you. That kills you. <laughs> mm. Josh, what you got for episode 10? Um that episode is, is, is so good, you know, and, and you probably covered this earlier in the, um, in, in the, the earlier episode. Um, but the, the transformation of Rebecca from the villain in the old movie, major league. I don't know if y'all touched on that, but it's such mm-hmm. a, this is no, do it. We'll do it for our listeners. Well, okay, yeah. Cause so, we haven't so, touched on that. So major league is, is that movie that we, you know, I played baseball growing up and every, kid that loves baseball has at some point um uh without their parents knowing it seen major league um with charlie sheen with charlie sheen tom baring tom Berenger, tom Berenger, and, uh, yeah. corbin person mm-hmm. and uh and a young wesley snipes as willie mays hayes oh, and that's um, right so uh the the plot of major league is that they're the cleveland indians and there's a a, a lady who is trying to i forget the dynamics and relationship but she wants to move cleveland the, the Indians to Miami uh, or to Florida. I, I think it's Miami. And so she, she puts together this terrible, terrible team. So they'll lose every game. And then what happens is they start winning and the city gets behind them and, you know, to, to the stuff of, of Hollywood. But um, Rebecca is kind of the anti that, that she, she starts out on that path, but then she's, she's redeemed um, and mm-hmm. through these relationships and um, j- just seeing her, uh, living and dying by that 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 game um, on the pitch, and uh, <laughs> and watching her experience that, and even earlier, you know, he couldn't get her to come and be in the locker room, and at the end, she's in there in mm. this moment of sadness and and mourning, and she's in there with them. It's a it's a powerful thing to see what her character yeah. goes through uh, in many ways. There, no, I couldn't I couldn't agree more with you, man. And there's some things that I would mention about this episode, um, one particularly as it relates to uh, Rebecca, actually, I didn't mention it last episode, but um, 
there's a moment where when Keely finds out she commissioned the photo and then uh, she's basically coercing and it's a good thing, but she's coercing Rebecca into coming clean to Ted. Like you'll tell mm-hmm. him everything or I will. Mm-hmm. And then Rebecca asks, you know, somewhat practically, what good would it do? Like, mm-hmm. it's not going to change anything. And then for Keely to say, it would change how I feel about you. And that that is like a significant driving force. Like, man, it, that's a beautiful thing. That's like you highlighted, Josh, that it's relationships that are changing the tide mm-hmm. for her mm-hmm. and uh, not what has happened to her, not just the political stakes game of, you know, besting her ex-husband or anything like that. It's the relationships that are changing who she is. And I think that's a really powerful statement. Absolutely. This this episode is so riddled with great profound moments that I can't let un, go unspoken. One of the greatest bits of physical comedy in this whole series, which is when <laughs> Jamie Jamey shows up to talk to Keely and Roy's there. <laughs> and Roy commits to saying nothing. Yeah. So he mimes zipping his lips and then he throws invisible, the invisible <laughs> key at Jamie and Jamie missed, missed, missed. dodges the invisible <laughs> key and mouths you missed. It is hysterical. It's oh my so God. It's so adolescent <laughs> and juvenile and just hysterical. Oh God. It's funny. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Something that for myself, I really hope I'm not stealing anybody's thunder, but I don't think I am. Uh, something that is worth noting because it's wonderful. We referenced last week uh, the payoff that earlier in the season when Sam gets knocked down and gets mm-hmm. uh, fouled, Roy comes over to him and he's mad at Jamie. It's in the, it's in the episode when Jamie uh, is eventually taken out of the game by Ted. Um, and then Roy tells Sam, like, no, just stay down. And then, you know, coaches him on like the crowd will love it. Just get up, limp a little bit and then, you know, signal that you can move on. Well, then this episode has that great payoff. Roy comes, finally runs fast enough to fairly tackle Jamie and prevent that goal. Um, But then in the process hurts his knee. And when Sam comes over and then while he's there, they're chanting, you know, the, the statement I can't fully repeat on this show, but the the. The, he's there. He's here. He's there. He's every everywhere, and it's it's just a wonderful, wonderful moment. It's a wonderful payoff, extending to the moment in the locker room, much more tenderly between he and Keely. It's it's beautiful. It's just wonderful, wonderful stuff. So I love it so much. And then I think the last thing that it, again, at least for me, will not possibly come up later is um, Lasso's note to Jamie. So if if nobody else is going to mention that, we'll mention what it says, but. Has anybody else got that for one of the? Okay, so after everything, Jamie thinks Lasso's playing mind games with him because he thinks <laughs> Lasso allowed. He doesn't realize that Rebecca forced the transfer of Jamie Tart back to Manchester City. He thinks Lasso did it. So he thinks Lasso's affirmation is just him playing mind games with him. So at the like, end, like, like, sorry, Reed, when when yeah, Jamie no, when Jamie looks in to see Roy and to mock him. And then all of a sudden, poof, there's Ted, like cheering oh, him on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and then the, um, I, I love so much, like at the end, because Jamie makes the play that costs them the game. And then after that, Beard brings a note up to Jamie, and Jamie's not quite sure what to do with it, but in the envelope. It's a love note. It's a love note. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, in the envelope is the note just says way to make that extra pass, Ted. And then it's got the army man inside of it. It's, it's beautiful stuff. It's beautiful, beautiful stuff. Speaking um, of beautiful stuff, this feels like a good moment, Reed, Josh, to ponder for a show that, you know, arguably is by its very existence and definition, uh, a thing that we could that could be called right. It's time we dwell for a moment or more on things that are just, oh, so right. That's so right. It's just so right. It's just so right. That's just so And we're back, Josh. So you are our guest today. So I'm going to let you choose whether you want to go first or you want to defer first. This is a part where we, if you could distill, if you could encapsulate, uh, it, it can be a craft thing. It can be something specific to a character, an episode, what have you. What would you identify uh, your elevator pitch? Why Ted Lasso, the, the TV show is in our words these days. So right. Uh, I will go first. Um, it's interesting after, after watching it and watching it and now watching it again, that I, I always skip the, the, uh, the intro. I always skip <laughs> the mm. Marcus Mumford, uh, his song there at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. but I, I've let it run a few times now just to you know, see what I was missing. What's interesting in that intro is that if you'll notice, Ted sits down and then all the letters start forming out of him. Like he's mm. the connection, but everything starts flowing out of him. And it, it reminded me, we've touched on a little bit, but you know, he, he is really uh, the one who causes these relationships to start happening. He's, mm. he is the source of, we won't say, well, it's kind of conflict in some of these people that they're confronted sure. with something mm-hmm. that is so foreign to them. And, he he just infects everybody he's around um and and i think you know i think the relationships in terms of things like uh loneliness things like uh just i made some notes but you know even leadership you know you look at him lead and he leads with kindness um and and even you know we we referenced it with the locker room speech but even what it means to be a man um he he is willing for you to think he's stupid, he's willing for you to to mock it. it, it well, well, we'll get there, I'm sure. But he's he, he gives that he lives that doggone uh, dart speech. He gives mm, uh, Rupert. Mm-hmm. He lives that out. He's mm-hmm. like all my life, people have been you know uh, judging me, doing this, yada yada. He said, but um, you know, and, and and that's how he lives. And I, I I just you watch these people get connected, and it 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 so drives. And to me, it being a that so right, you know, I, I think as, as one who, who seeks to, to follow Christ or seeks to, to be good to the people around me, that um, that's inspiring. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, oh, thank you. And, and I don't know if I've ever, maybe ever seen a show that's like, hey, let's, let's show this. Let's show mm-hmm. what this looks mm-hmm. like. And so uh, that's, that's something I think this show gets so right. I'm going to um, I'm going to, I'm going to jump in front of reading uh, just because I feel like what I would identify piggybacks well on that. And I want to identify real quick too, Josh, you, you highlight that, that uh, opening credit sequence to, you might've subconsciously noticed this or intuited it, but 
more than just his name spreads out amongst the stands from him as the source point, what is actually literally happening in that credit design is the vandalized, dirtied mm -hmm. stands are being mm -hmm. freshened, being being mm -hmm. renewed, being refreshed. And mm -hmm. that's a really powerful metaphor to to examine there. And, you know, my my that's all right. And, and apologies to read if he's like, Nathan, you've copped out twice in a row uh, last week with zucchini. And now this one, it's it's kind of a fair critique, except as at least I sort of positioned the question, what's your elevator pitch? What what is it about this that makes it worthy of conversation? And and dead gummit, just that it exists that mm. and i i don't intend to get emotional but just that i don't know if y'all are like this and reed i mentioned this a few weeks ago the the heaviness of the world can be debilitating mm -hmm. especially in these days and our propensity to like a diver at the edge of a pool when we don't know there's no water in just dive down into the dirt and the mud yeah yeah. And the ease with which we are willing to do that. And, and I'm including myself in that critique. Uh, I want to do well, but often fail. And, and so the Sisyphean effort, you like that? To mm -hmm. take the boulder of goodness and keep pushing it up a hill. Like it is, Reed, you made a body as a miracle comment. It is a minor miracle that this exists and not just that it exists but is having the impact it's having mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. it is mm -hmm. about not tarnishing the the sheen on a good man but about a good man's shine raising the bar for everyone else mm -hmm. it reminds it's coming to me in real time read but it reminds me a lot of Shit's creek it's it, it's kind of an inverse of that idea but that's a community's shine making individuals right. grow. This is right. an individual shine making a community grow. And and just damn, that is to me in the in the in the movie and and cultural landscape we live in, TV, uh, I mean media, not explicitly movie, in the media and cultural landscape we live in to prop up a person not as a joke, but as mm -hmm. something to emulate. Mm -hmm. that is mm -hmm. this rich and forward looking in his kindness and compassion and grace uh and and we've said this a few times in assessing this first season you know the show does right by his fullness as a character he's not all you know his his ted lasso-ness can be a burden sometimes but the exercise of pointing to yeah. a figure and saying this is kind of how we can be yeah and it's not it's not moving mountains to work a little harder. Mm -hmm. And that's, a, that's right. a really powerful sort of testimony, I think. No, absolutely. Um, so I'm going to, with permission, um, you both have illustrated very wonderfully, um, but in, in somewhat broad sense, you know, sure. just the, 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 the power that the show has, I would like to sort of wrap that up by affirming both of what you said and illustrating it with two specific moments from the season. Uh, yeah. that I'll that I'll share briefly. Um, so the first one Josh actually referenced, um, it is arguably one of my favorite scenes that I have ever seen in any piece of media at all. So when they're in the bar, they think they're going to be meeting the Milk Sisters and then suddenly Rupert comes in with his new Let's girlfriend. Let's get in the back room and see if I see him. 
Did they, they expire? Couldn't make, they, they couldn't make it because they expired. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and so then, you know, Rupert is really digging it in. And Ted even asks her, do you want to leave? And she says, I'm not giving him the satisfaction. So they're kind of stuck there. And then finally, Rupert lays it down. I mean, Rupert is a grade A a-hole. And he lays it down to her. He says, I'm going to rub this in your face every opportunity I can. And as broadly as I can for as long as I can. And then Ted steps in and is like, y'all love darts, right? And I just <laughs> love so much his hustle there because he lures Rupert in because he keeps throwing with his right hand. And then uh, Rupert challenges him to a dart wager. And then uh, Ted's like, oh, yeah. Uh, how about if I win, you can't go anywhere near Rebecca. You know, you can't go anywhere near the, the box uh, for the rest of the season. Or ever again, I think he says, uh, as long as Rebecca's in charge. And then when Rupert's like, "Oh, I forgot I had these on me," and thinks he's being all slick with the thing, and then Ted's like, "Oh, I forgot I'm not left. I'm forgot I'm not right-handed," and then throws a bullseye. He said, like, "This is gonna be a hoot." I just love it so much. <laughs> um, but then when it comes up and it pivots, you know, you can all you can kind of feel where the moment's going. But the way he delivers it, where he says he he highlights being as a kid and everybody misjudging him. And he saw the sign on the bus that said, be curious, not judgmental. And then he said, none of those people who judged me were curious. Because if they'd been curious, they would have asked questions. And then he delivers. Oh, it's so, so good. So perfect. He says, they would ask questions like, did you play a lot of darts, Ted? Bam. And then like hits the, hits the mark. Um, and then. Went with my dad every day from 10 to 16 until he passed. Oh. Oh my God. <laughs> so wonderful. It's barbecue so sauce. Wonderful. Yes. Barbecue sauce. And, well, um, and yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. Reed. I'm following Josh's lead, but I love <laughs> how that scene sets up. He asks May, the the bar barkeep, you know, what's mm -hmm. the what's the score? He's he's basically saying, like, what do I need yeah. to, to hit here? <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And that's when it goes off. I'm sorry, Reed. Go ahead. It's no, 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 no. That's so that's so great. Um and then uh the second moment that I want to highlight is uh, something that, again, illustrates, it ties, ties everything together from what you've been saying. And that's the, um, that when Rebecca finally does come clean, Rebecca's been on this journey and she's kind of in her dark night of the soul. And when she finally does come clean, and then when she comes and delivers, uh, you know, she spells it all out for Ted. Like, I sabotaged you. I brought you here to fail. Everything. And you highlighted, Nathan, like the fact that this exists, the fact that, that that would be the moment to ramp up the dramatic tension. That would be the moment yeah. to, oh, everything's going to devastate, and then it'll kind of coyly come back in the last moment. But Ted takes it in. You see on, on Sudeikis' face that he's drinking it in. He's absorbing the moment. And then he stands up, puts his hands in his pockets, and just says, as soft as a mouse, I forgive you. And she's, she's taken aback by it. She's like, what do you mean? And then... When he, and this is something that's going to come back in my thoughts later. I forgive you. Oh, okay. So you're just this grace-filled wonder of whatever. No, he understands because when she says why, he says divorce is hard and it makes you mm. do crazy things. And you realize he's not just forgiving because he's a nice guy or a people pleaser. He's forgiving because um, as our friend Blake said on an earlier episode, his emotional intelligence is off the charts. It's off the radar. And he profoundly understands and he's forgiving because he profoundly understands and knows that forgiveness is the right thing to do and the appropriate thing to do. And probably to a degree, a lot of subtext here, knows that forgiveness is what he would want 
in that moment. And I just wanted to highlight those couple of specifics as so right moments to, to kind of tie yeah. together everything that you both had, had shared. Well, and the, what I love about the, what a, a thing I love about that scene is the button on it where he just at the end of that moment says, you and me, we're okay. Mm-hmm. It's just a great, so, great recalibration of their relationship. Um, before we spend too many more words on those scenes, because they may come up again. Wacky, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, Sorry. Deft, deft maneuvering there. <laughs> well played, beard. Um, <laughs> let's, 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 let's get out of this segment. All right, so that was that's so right, right, right. Uh, we are going to spend a couple right. moments now. Um, we we charged Josh and Reed and I together as well. Uh, created a top three lassoisms. Now, like any good fear of God list. Uh, runners up and honorable mentions will most assuredly make an appearance <laughs> um, <laughs> because who can pick just three elements out of a 10 episode season like this one um, I'm going to start because I did uh, I did have a little bit of a, a cheeky way of doing this mainly because it's so difficult mm-hmm. so so my first lassoisms which you know can interpret however you want. Uh, how I termed at least the two I selected was um, comedy as character lines, bits from the show that on their own are really just hysterical, but also function well to illustrate something about the characters who are saying them. Um, and the first one I'll just throw out is: uh, Have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> Mm-hmm. uh just because mm-hmm. it's already been mentioned um I'll, I'll say a tiny bit more about that in a moment but um the other that was kind of an honorable mention honestly but the other one i just love because it's in the first episode it really sets a tone uh and signals a lot about the characters who are exchanging this dialogue and it's on the plane and it's ted turned around saying to beard Hey, if we see each other in our dreams, let's goof around, pretend like we don't know each other. <laughs> and Beard, without so missing a beat, says, you got it, stranger. It's and so I love it. I love it because it tells you so much about the history of those two guys mm-hmm. and that it's a deep history. It's an affectionate history, uh, the, the capacity to banter. But it also tells you a little something about Ted, like he, how, however jokey that moment might be he takes seriously some sort of metaphysical idea, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, it's, we, we know Ted Lasso well enough to know he doesn't throw things away. Uh, so there's something really powerful to me about that scene. There's something hysterical about that scene. So that'd be my first entry in favorite Lassoisms from the show. Does anybody else want to go next? What about you, Josh? Go ahead. You can go uh, next. So I, well, uh, I did mine in a cheeky way as well. Um, All right. I couldn't, uh, well, I'll just explain. So yeah. Ted and we've, it's been thematic in this, but Ted and relationships are all over the place, you know, his relationship to people, but he also has relationships to other things as well. Ted's relationship to T is hysterical. <laughs> There's a line, Rebecca, uh, how do you take your tea? Well, 
usually I take it right back to the counter because someone's made a horrible mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Every single time, even with the scene with Roy, when the Carlton stuff comes up and he's like, let me, let me in on the joke. Cause it's a joke, right? You know, this is, this tea stuff is a joke. Y'all don't, y'all don't drink this. Cause it, you know, and he, and he gets on him about oh, yeah. Yeah. how terrible the tea is. Um, secondly, Ted's relationship to the rules of soccer. We've already mentioned, I already mentioned, um, I, I am uh, not up to date on so many soccer rules, but when he turns to the, the referee and it says, explain to me how that's offsides. And he says, no, I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, Ted and Beard, well, you mentioned that um, they are, uh, there's, it's a rich friendship and there's a yin and yang to them um and it's it's just so much fun to watch those two together first rule of the fight club there is no fight club and then <laughs> one last one and it's it's not a it's not a it's not ted uh it's not a lassoism it's uh, a lasso breaking it down that scene of him dancing might be one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life in the locker room uh at wichita state oh yeah that, yeah, yeah. that, that circulates amazing. that's yeah, I it's hope hysterical. That somebody plays that on my my tombstone one day. That's so great. Oh, we'll man, project it on there for you, boy. There you go. Project it for me. It's wonderful. Hey, so um, Nathan, why don't you why don't you finish your list and then I'll get. Oh, back. okay. Yeah. Did Josh just do all of his? Yeah, he just did. He just did all of his. Oh, so I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't realize we were. No, that's okay. you didn't. That's no, you didn't. Okay. You didn't have to. No, it's fine. So, so yeah. So okay. So mine were the categories were um or are rather uh comedy as character. Uh, the next one is the throwaways and the last one is the profound. So the throwaways are, this show is so adept at the blink and you miss it, but hysterical line. Like, it really is. like, like it honestly shows a lot of balls to be like, we know this is hysterical and we know half the audience isn't going to even catch it. Um, there's two of them that Simpsons just sing. What'd you say? Interrupter. I said, uh, uh, yes, I know. With apologies, I said that's an old Simpsons rule. That's the way Simpsons do comedy. Simpsons, oh, really? like, yeah, Simpsons throw in absolutely hysterical stuff and then just move right on with the scene. So, well, yeah, sorry, I just wanted to highlight two that. of them that at least really jump out to me that are that are representative of this idea. One is the um, it's the curse breaking the curse scene at the bar at the pub, and it's the Martin Scorsese breakdown. <laughs> and it's it's amazing and you've got all these characters throwing out their favorite martin scorsese the, the the best one is this the best one is mean streets the best one is the departed blah 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 so on and so forth then apropos supposedly of nothing roy kent yells to the group silence it's great it's which great. is a martin scorsese film yeah it's wonderful and i'm just like dead gummit that's so good <laughs> that is so brilliant uh, so that's one throwaway. Uh, the other throwaway, God, it's so funny. It's after it's in two aces episode six. And it's, mm. it's, it's Ted trying to manage his energy after the breakdown of five with his wife. And so he's coming to the office. It's when he's putting a sweater on backwards. And there's just <laughs> this amazing opening exchange between beard, Nate and Ted and Ted is frazzled he's prattling about barry versus bathe and his work and how they should give each other pet names and there's this back and forth and both beard and nate are resistant 
And Ted, about something that Nate says, just says, thank you, sweetie, under his breath. <laughs> and it's just like, Ted gummit, <laughs> y'all did it again. You know, I mean, it's Sudeikis, he says, thank you. And then sweetie is like lowered. It's like, thank you, sweetie. You know, and it's, it's just, <laughs> he is executing his plan, plan. Plan? Plan. 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 Uh, the last one I want to throw out is The Profound. I had a front runner, but I'm going to pivot away from that one for my next our next list. And so The Profound for me, uh, one of the most significant ones is, and, and this may get touched on thematically later, is uh, the post-game locker room uh, finale speech. Mm. And mm. it's it is, be grateful you're going through this sad moment with all these other folks. There's something worse than being sad and that's being mm-hmm. alone and being sad. Ain't nothing worse than being alone. And this t- little note is so beautiful. Let's be sad. Now let's be sad together. I mean, damn, that is so great. powerful. So, yeah, he took him to church. Are, yeah, took him to church. Those are my yeah. lassoisms. Read what are that's yours? Absolutely. Right. Well, with apologies, I think in my, that's so right. You, uh, you took, uh, I took some of your scenes that oh. you may mention later. Um, so you paid me back because that line you oh, just yeah. mentioned was, was one of my top three, but I got runner ups. I got, okay. runner-ups. <laughs> um, so, um, I expect nothing less. <laughs> so, um, so I'm going to, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down. Uh, uh, honestly, I, I wasn't effectively able or didn't do the, the, the homework to like um, rank these appropriately. So I'm going to categorize them in basically two things. One is like his metaphor slash like just silliness. And uh, and then the other one is going to be a, a little bit more like what Nathan said, like the the profundity. Um, so I'm going to mention in the silly trivial thing, <laughs> yeah, um, uh, two two really quick lines, no context really needed. Um, okay, our goal is to go out like Willie Nelson on a high, um, which I think is brilliant. And then another one is that all right, fellas, you got to remember your body is like day old rice. If it ain't warmed up, something real bad could happen. <laughs> <laughs> um, and but the the king, the best. I mean, the most meaningful is be a goldfish. But the king of all. Oh my God, he just said this. Is, sounds to me like someone's trapped in life's most complicated shape, a love triangle. Second place, of course, is the I just walked in on my mother in law changing into swimsuit dodecahedron. <laughs> Well, <laughs> and, and Roy yeah, can't finish it. Yes, Roy can't respond back to. Do I? Does my face look like I'm in the mood for shape based jokes? <laughs> oh God, that's hysterical. <laughs> Ted throwing right back at him. In fairness, it never does. <laughs> so, but that's that's the that's just him being silly. Uh, we all we already referenced uh, the dart statement. Be curious, not judgmental. But another one I want to highlight that I think was really touching. Um, oh, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, Reed. I was going to say. You, you, there, there are some mother and mother-in-law isms that he, that he loves to throw around. And there, oh. you mentioned the locker room when he says locker rooms are a lot like my mom's bathing suits. I only want to see him in one piece. You know, that one. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. Oh my gosh. That's great. So Sorry. I love what he's, no, I love what he's talking to Roy. I didn't even write this one down, but he's talking to Roy too. He's like, boy, you being hard on yourself is like Woody Allen playing the clarinet. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> Just like, but um, the, the other one that I really think is like kind of prof- profound um and then i'll end on uh a, a one just uh, probably a perfect one to take us out on um is when he's talking to roy about he said you know they say youth is wasted on the young i say don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you like life lesson for people mm-hmm. like don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you 
Uh, man, some people need to hear that. I am not going to say anything further about it at the moment, but that is a really, really powerful and touching note of wisdom. Don't let the wisdom of age be wasted on you. Um, Isn't that the then, one where after it, he does compliment himself? He's like, I just made that one up or I just came up with that right there. Um, but the one that I want to go out on, probably my vote for one of the, the most perfect Ted Lassoisms ever recovery of all recoveries. He gets dad points for me on this one is when, you know, same, but different. The crowd is yelling repeatedly <laughs> wanker <laughs> and his son asks him, what's a wanker? And he said, Son, that's a man who likes to be alone with his thoughts. <laughs> it is brilliant. That is that is brilliant. That is uh, yeah. It is it is fantastic. So that is that is my favorite lassoism. This is a man who likes to be alone hmm. with his thoughts. Um, like so yeah, that. you want to you want to pivot into some favorite scenes, some of which I'm sure have probably already been mentioned, but some favorite. let's do it. Stuff. Let's do it. Let's do some favorite scenes. Top do we want to round scene. Robin this one. You want to round Robin it go three, sure. three, three, two, two, sure. two, two, two. Yeah. So, so Nathan Mine aren't ranked per se, but, but I'll, you know, they're okay. not in yeah, yeah, yeah. a particular order. Um, I'll lead with the only one that hasn't been nodded to yet. Um, at least in this conversation. So, well, it did get nodded to, but not uh, directly. Um, it, it, it might be it might be a bit self-flagellating to call it a favorite, but I think a, a scene that elevated and quickly the show for me was the 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 breakup of of Ted and Michelle at the end mm -hmm. of five. Um, you know, I've alluded off and on on the show before, and both of you know deeply my own story and and. I was unprepared for the resonance, the difficulties they faced had for me. And, and I am very blessed and fortunate and my marriage is, is thriving and intact and so on and so forth. But, you know, um, marriages like many relationships have dark days to them. And, and I can't, uh, say in honesty that, that we didn't have days that, had strange echoes of this scene to the point that when we were first watching this together, both my wife and I were very tearful, uh, at, mm. at the power of this scene. And, and, you know, it, it just, just re led to a really lovely moment between the two of us of, of, of kind of affirmation and encouragement, uh, verbally after the fact, because of how unfortunately things go for Ted and Michelle. But I think just as a, I've referenced this obliquely about the show Ted Lasso. I, 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 for a show whose comedy I was, of course, on board with, you know, the voice of it, the energy of it, the point of view of the, the goofy Ted Lasso, what I didn't know I was getting was the, the, the depth and the heart and the, the powerful honesty about human relationships. I mean, to be real honest. Uh, and so that scene, uh, to call it a highlight again may sound a bit perverse, but is just even on this rewatch, I was like, I know where this is going, and and even still was very moved by it, very very touched by it, uh, even for where those characters go. And so uh, for me, it was it's definitely a kind of top three scenes. Uh, the other uh, the other ones will be a little lighter, but uh, mm -hmm. did want to nod towards that one. Awesome, Josh. Um, what about for you? Yeah. 
well, I'm going to go ahead and take it off the board because I'm sure one of you will mention it. But and we've mentioned it numerous times already. But the Dagon Dark scene, um, mm-hmm. that is in so many ways is fantastic. Uh, uh, you know, I, I am a competitive spirit, and you're watching this guy, you know, and Ted who who hadn't had many wins. In fact, I don't know how yeah. many. You know, I don't know. And Reed, it's funny you mentioned it earlier. You don't see much of the the football, but you right. uh, a lot of times what we see are losses or ties. Yeah. You know, we're yeah. not seeing we're not seeing a whole lot of wins. But here's the guy all of a sudden winning, and the way he wins, oh my oh, gosh, so good, Stick, sticking it to the man. Which man, you know we we grow up with this idea that that's what we're supposed to do, but it is it is so. It's an unforgettable scene. I uh, I was reading. Um, I, I subscribed to something called The Athletic, which is a, a sports um, write up they do. And uh, one of the one of the guys does a weekend picks, and he included that scene in his in his uh, write up about oh. football games this past weekend. And I and you know what wow. I did? I watched it <laughs> again. <laughs> I watched it again. It's uh, so because, great because it's fantastic. Well, I do queue up that scene sometimes just to watch that scene. Go ahead, Nathan. That's all I want yeah, to say. Gonna, well, you know, since we're camping out on it for a moment, uh, uh, let's give more of give it some more love and it's due. Like the be curious, not judgmental, uh, uh, as a sort of tent pole thematic idea behind the film. I referenced this earlier, but watching this video of Lawrence Sudeikis and, and Brendan Hunt, they highlight that scene. In addition to the locker room, Nate, given the speech scene and Lawrence nodding to Sudeikis as Sudeikis's interpretation of Ted Lasso. And that became sort of how they incorporated that scene into the show, which is what they wanted to steer so far away from was what so much of uh, sadly could be said American culture is, which is which is ignorant and arrogant. This is how they mm. articulated it. They said, mm. what we did not want was someone who is ignorant and arrogant. What we wanted was someone who is ignorant, but curious, like mm. who, who didn't know the thing, but pursued knowledge of the thing, as opposed to not knowing the thing and assuming that not knowing was a thing to take pride in. Yeah. Um, mm. And I don't know. It's just, it's, it is Reed. You, you made some sort of reference to this earlier. It's so perfectly constructed uh from a scripting standpoint it's so yeah. and and what's lovely about the 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 architecture of that scene is the show knows it needs its viewers on rebecca's side yes eventually and so what it does is does what every good and smart show does is okay give your protagonist a new antagonist that is sort of the thing you know yes. i i, mm-hmm. I kind of doubt this because he's so perfect at it there's a moment that might come in the future of the show where rupert steers a bit more into protagonist zone because shows tend to do that kind of thing but right now what we need is a common enemy and he serves that role extremely well and so when when sudeikis delivers that have you ever played darts ted line it's just mm. I mean, it is it is a chef's kiss of of production. I mean, it fantastic. is every facet of that show working uh, per, to perfection. Yeah, fantastic. Um, yeah, there's. I'm sorry, Reed. Like, no, go ahead, uh, like Nathan. There's a there's that that scene that be curious and not judgmental. It's a it's interesting when with the arrogance and ignorance type. Yeah. 
mindset. There's a, uh, I was reading, uh, I got a friend who has been reading uh, the, the Old Testament book of Isaiah. And mm. so I've been trying to track with him, but, but something that, that popped out to me recently uh, and knowing we were about to talk about this is when Isaiah uh, th- th- said, learn to do what is right. Mm. And, and it reminded mm. me of, of Ted, it's that, it's that ignorance, but a willingness yeah. to do yeah. what is required yeah. or to, of him. to learn uh, to do, to learn, to learn to, to, learn to learn do. To yeah. Do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Learn to do what is right. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. No, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, so the way I approached this, my favorite scenes thing is I wanted to, for this, cause I had mentioned a couple of things already into that. So right stuff, one of which was the dart scene. Um, my list of three scenes are scenes that I think represent the spirit of the show. These, not that these other scenes don't, but I think like I just went for something a little bit more subtle. Sure. My favorite subtle scenes in it. And one of them I'm going to come right back to, I'm going to kind of abandon ranking and just mention what I wanted to mention. I'm going to come back to something, Josh, that you highlighted uh, earlier, but that we skimmed past. And that's the credit scene of episode nine. Episode mm-hmm. nine, all apologies. What is happening is Roy Kent is realizing he's too old. He can't be a starting captain anymore. And so he's going to give the captainship over to Isaac McAdoo. And that's, you know, he does so. Keep breaking TVs. It's great. It's wonderful. <laughs> um, and so then, like, what happens at the end of episode nine, at the end of episode nine, they're actually not going out into the training. The whole Roy Kent of it all is in play, uh, but they're not, uh, sorry, they're not going out to a game. They're going out to practice. Mm-hmm. And practice. he comes in practice. And Talking about uh, practice. So, we're talking about practice you know, <laughs> not a game not a game that's uh, out there is us 11 against them 11 we're talking about practice I think sorry Reed, sorry uh, okay. hey, hey yeah you did it hey have you seen have you seen the side by side with that that scene and the alan iverson it's, i've seen the uh, side by side but i've, I've seen the it's, iverson it's almost iverson it is so close that's it's amazing how sure, they did it. but anyway sorry no 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 it's wonderful but all of that stuff is going on, and Roy Kent is obviously like so under the burden of his age, his diminishing returns as a contributing player. And then when he comes in and he's going to go out and practice with them, and and then in episode nine, the credits are you know going, and what it is showing is it's showing all of the team together. They're milling about. We don't hear distinct dialogue. We just see the characters interacting with each other. Some of them are joking. Some of them are just talking. You see in the office, Lasso and Beard having a little moment, like a little play-by-play together. You don't even quite know. It's all just like we're just observing them as a team. And then the last person to leave the room is Roy Kent, who, with everybody else out of the room, walks up and gently reaches up and touches the Believe sticker. I feel like I haven't seen the show. Oh my gosh. He, and, and that's the last moment. So like the credits are rolling and then Roy Kent walks over and, and before he exits the room, he briefly, he he sort of takes a glance to make sure everybody's gone. Um, but when he sees that everybody's out of there, he just reaches up and touches the believe poster and then walks out of it's, it's powerful. It's, it's Mm -hmm. so subtle. (laughs) And it is one of those things that like they, they put it in the credits. This is just it. They, they, you again, Nathan, I think you called out like the courage of the show. Like they didn't highlight that. They didn't highlight it with a swell of strings or anything. They just put it in the credits and then just let you watch it or miss it according according to how you viewed and intake the show. Um, but it's it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. So that's my first that's my first little scene. Um, Nathan, we're back to you. Sure. Uh, I've only got 
so mine was you're not quitting you're letting me go and then darts and then i already got some love earlier uh but i want to supplement a little bit as i forgive you and the reason i want to add to it is the best moments of this show don't take place in a vacuum and watching this episode and this scene this is in all apologies which is such a powerful entire episode but it's a wonderful episode it's not that ted forgives her it's not that she confesses it's what drives her to confession it's it's being humiliated to her Mm -hmm. face diminished demeaned degraded by rupert in her office right and i think this is my interpretation is she sees what she has done in a fresh light like Mm this person who is so dehumanizing to her she has orchestrated this entire thing against ted and recognizes maybe for the first time the depth of her own transgression and so it's just a really powerful i love that you know it's her emotional abuse from rupert that spurs her on to 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 learn to do right in Mm -hmm. the words of isaiah right like it's not it's not just a momentary dadgummit Keely was right. Yeah. I should go confess. Right? It's not that. It's it's oh my god. The what I am feeling in response to this person who is actively intentionally and willfully harming me, abusing me is some version of what I have done to this other person yeah. who who yeah. I don't feel like I deserve what's being done to me. This man absolutely didn't deserve what I've done to him. It's just really powerful to to have it be so character driven and not just a cathartic Mm-hmm. bit of scripting mm-hmm. yeah, that's absolutely. my that's my last scene uh yeah josh go ahead and give me two and then i'll uh, okay two. uh two two of them um the scene so is the the episode though with trent Cram and uh mm. from the independent and uh and ted lasso's uh day together um mm. there's that scene where they're in the restaurant mm-hmm. and um Krim, you can tell he's slowly being lassoed, pardon the pun. <laughs> and, um, and then the, the restaurant, Ollie, I think is his name. You know, he, Ted's talking to him like they've been friends for years and Trent's puzzled. He's like, Oh, have y'all known each other? Like, what? You know, but I think, did he drive him? Yeah. He yeah. He's his driver, driver from the airport. Yeah. I think. And he's, he's like, Oh, you know, you know, basically they probably met twice for all we know with Ted's, uh, the way Ted rolls, but then he brings out all the food, you know, and, and, Trent can't eat it. And it's obvious Ted's dying, um, <laughs> but he's wolfing it down. And he says something along the lines of uh, to Trent and, and with Ollie, it's like, well, well, you're my friend and he's, you're, he's now he's your friend. Or it is this, it's this moment where here are these strangers um, who are united over this food that would destroy me. Mm-hmm. Um, and Ted, there's no pretense. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no preconceived notions of what's supposed to be happening. Ted's like, yeah, well, he's my friend. You're my friend. That's how we do this. We're friends. And, mm-hmm. and it's this beautiful picture again of who he is. Um, that the Ted, you know, in, in our, in our <laughs> divided and, and crazy and yeah. contempt driven world, you know, when's the last time we had a meal with someone who's just like, Hey, you're my friend. And, and, and yeah. it doesn't matter. Where you're coming from or what your background is or what your past is or, 
or what you're now is that, that we can be friends. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's one of those scenes that kind of left me like, ah, gosh, there it is. You know, it, yeah. Ted to me, had, there's so many things that you see and you aspire to. It's like, well, doubt, yeah. I, I want to go out and be that. Um, mm. And that's one of those scenes. And then, and then my last one, and y'all referenced it earlier. Um, but when Nate is is <laughs> telling the team what he has observed, and uh, Nathan, you mentioned it with the anger with with Roy. I think you it's mentioned incredible. it. Incredible. Yeah. yeah. Where where he where he he cha- he's challenging him to to take that anger and to do something with it. That um, you know, as a, as a man, um, and, and maybe y'all we all identify here with this, but you know, there's a certain level of anger. That, that I walk around with. Um, and it's, uh, the hard part is many times I can't pinpoint it. Many times I can't, um, you know, identify uh, what is it that's making me angry, but there's an underlying tension. And I think, you know, where, where Roy then tells Nate, tell me, tell me, yeah. you know, and, and, he, and he takes it that I want to be that, you know, I want to be that person. Tell me, son, what is, what is it? The, the, how, how am I, how can I be better for you? Wife, how can I be better for you? Brother, how can I be better for you? And, and maybe, maybe some of that can be, well, God, how, how is this anger that, that sits mm-hmm. in me? How can I give that to you? Um, mm-hmm. and to use it well, because, well, if, know, I can, a, go ahead. if I can inter- intersect there, interject there, I, I think there's something just just staggeringly powerful about that scene because it's the context too it's 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 roy in a space that is known and safe and he sees these are people who have observed me and there's antagonism between he and jamie is jamie even in the scene at this point i can't remember if he's gone or not yet but jamie's gone okay so so my my point is simply roy is open Mm-hmm. and willing and inviting truth to be spoken over him. Mm-hmm. And even when that truth is going to be very painful to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's, that's really powerful. So I want to go rip up a bench and lead somebody yeah, to do something right. great. That'd be fantastic. <laughs> nope. That's yes. exactly right. That's exactly right. Well, you got um, a bookcase behind you. If you want to walk back there and just <laughs> knock it over, yeah, I'm sure your house will might, love that. That might, yeah, there might be some repercussions for that. <laughs> so um something else that um that that again i think uh invokes the spirit of the show uh i'm going to give an honorable mention and actively not talk about it because we mentioned it earlier um i'm going to give an honorable mention to the moment that the team comes together to break the curse because mm-hmm. they're all uniform we spent a lot of time on it already so that's my honorable mention uh, but the last two scenes i want to mention uh neither of which have been referenced yet um, but I think invoke the spirit of this show so profoundly, and they're both in the finale. One of them is the opening shot of the finale uh, when Nathan receives his promotion, and it's, t- it's, it's telegraphed a mile away. You know, like you know when the scene begins, like oh, he's being promoted. But a couple of things: he's taken aback by the fact that Rebecca remembers his name, and that little moment. We we joked in an earlier episode calling it out when he sees her at the uh, for the children gala and he says nice to see you she says yeah and she says uh, nice to meet you he says nice to meet you you know like it's, you know, <laughs> like it's it, it's all very um, undermined in terms of his presence and knowledge and footprint and so then when she when she calls him by name 
And it literally stops his outrage in his tracks where he's like, you remember my name? And she said, well, I had to sign it right for your contract. And then they bring out the box, the little like handmade box and everything. Yeah. Again, this character who the very first time we see him in the series, he says, nobody has asked me my name before. Goes from nobody has asked me my name to the owner of the club remembered it to write it down on the that like that's the journey this character's gone and that's the spirit of this show from nobody to somebody like you you are now you now have value just by being here you know so that's one scene the other scene that I want to mention um, is the lasso special um, when the team comes together and they do the lasso special in the in the final game and they do so without Ted calling it they just do it and when they do it and it winds up like scoring their goal it winds up scoring their only goal Danny Rojas kicks it in um and and for a moment we have that tie where we think like this is the this is the show that the that it's all going to go out on but I'll tell you, and 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 Josh, I don't know if you were aware this episode existed or listened to this episode, but just recently we had our mutual professor Keith Cassidy on to discuss Rocky. And mm. the first Rocky, at the end of the first Rocky movie, uh, at, at, this is not a major spoiler for you know fifty year old film now at this point, <laughs> um, but um, but Rocky does not win the fight mm. at the begin at the end of the first film, mm. and part of what I find so profoundly powerful about this is that this show gives us both. It shows that they rose to the challenge and they scored a goal against Manchester city against the team in the premier league. And they scored a goal and they did so using Ted Lasso's signature trick play. But then the fact that Jamie comes back at the end and using what Lasso taught him about being a team player, he manages to score a goal that is devastating because they lose but I feel like it so perfectly embodies the spirit of this show. It's just like they they lost, but they won because they were able to do it all together. And um, and I I find that so profoundly powerful. And it's and and it's actually uh, as I was watching it through, I was like, I think this might be one of my favorite scenes. Just the them executing the lasso special, what it does for them emotionally, everything that's wrapped up in it. Um, and I just love it. I and I, I would say as an all encompassing sort of final statement. Um, that I just absolutely uh, am boundlessly affectionate towards the spirit of this show. The spirit of this show is so abundantly inspiring, and I just I love it. I love it so so much. It's apropos of nothing, but I'm staring at my notes, and it's in this episode. Y'all mentioned this is why it's hard to love you line from Roy earlier, and I wrote down exactly what happens there, and it's that it's the uh, the the captain's ribbon. Ted's insisting that he be the one to give it away, but he, Ted does a magic trick that ends with the ribbon on Roy's head, and then he's just like, "This is why it's hard to love you." <laughs> so great. So great. But Reed, no, thank you. So I'm sorry to, to deviate so heavily no. there, but no, that's that's no, a no. fantastic. I I love the yeah when they're when they're doing the trick plays and stuff. And I love how you tied that into something real thematic and rich. That's, that's really powerful. Yeah, no. And um, yeah. yeah, go ahead. I, you know, this is, we've, we've, we've talked a lot about these last four episodes in the season in general, Josh, you're our guest. I do want to uh, give you a little bit of, of, of pitch to run on in your boots. Boot, boot in your boot. <laughs> in your boot. Uh, you know, what, is there any lingering sort of as you're scanning your notes or, or, you know, this is your chance to kind of talk about Ted Lasso in a more uh, thematically rich way, you know, is, are there things you would point to that you still 
want to say about season one uh if not no big deal we'll take it various directions as we see fit but wanted to give you the the opening salvo as it were in our and this is our themes section i don't yeah, want to yeah, jump yeah. the gun yeah. okay yeah. Yep, that's it yep. yeah um well and we've touched on a number of things i've i'd written but as we've talked I, i'm reminded of just this community hmm. that they're in mm-hmm. that uh, you know I, I don't know how true to to the real life it is in terms of how close everybody is and there's and, you know there's some probably elements but not much but the, there's the pub there's the you know there's the the, the, the field of the pitch seems, seems to be right there it's like right there next to somebody's house you know it's it's that close and everybody it's almost like if cheers was a community was a town where everybody knows your name everybody mm-hmm. seems to know everybody um you know ted in one minute is playing pick up soccer with the the girl out uh, in mm-hmm. in the courtyard and, right. and then there's the park and um you know everybody seems to be connected and and when he enters that community all of a sudden those red chairs just start going and from from being called wanker in the first few episodes with a very negative tilt to mm-hmm. by the end it's a term of endearment you yeah. know and uh and even him handling the the press and um, handling the players who are obviously, I mean, as one who follows sports very closely, this would never, ever happen. I mean, never would this happen where someone would bring, I mean, Rebecca, it would be obvious. It'd be telegraphed what was happening. Um, if, if something like this happened, but, but it, he just, he and then they, they affect the whole community and. You know, it's it's another reminder for me that uh, in the day we live in, and one of y'all mentioned this show, the fact that this show's been made is is miraculous. But the fact that we now, what do we do with this show? Is it just you know for for uh, craps and giggles, or is it <laughs> is it something more? Is it is biscuits with the boss? Is that something that that we can do on a daily basis for somebody else? Um, turning people who may be uh, adversarial into into friends. Um, I, I'm struck by the community of Ted Lasso and how um, even in, and I know this is not about this, and it, I'm, there's no spoiler here, but even as it bleeds into a second season, um, yeah. mm. there's you see the community and what's happening and what happens when um, these people are forced to Nathan, you, you were talking about when, you know, Nate's telling Roy that when you're confronted with that, what do you do? Um, and how it affects the whole, uh, community there. Um, it, it's, it's really, really beautiful. A picture, I think of what, what we're supposed to be as well. So that's, yeah. that's just a theme that is, is so stuck with me through this show. Can I, uh, can I piggyback off that a little bit? Because something that I had uh, somewhat previewed in our last week's episode, Josh, you, didn't, you haven't had a chance to hear that yet just because we were recording the same night. But um, one of the things that I would take away, you said very succinctly, what do we do with the show? Is this a show we just take in? Oh, this is great. But I think there is something 
really powerful and profound to be taken from it. And a through line that stuck out to me more profoundly in this third viewing than it ever had uh, for me was the being willing to pay the cost of virtue, to pay the cost of kindness, mm. to pay the cost mm. of maturity, because the show has so many through lines of things that cost somebody something, whether it is as simple and subtle as Ted taking time every night to bake cookies, biscuits for his boss, not announce it, not not announce like, oh, I made these. I made mm -hmm. these for you. Just bringing them. And but he's paying the cost and he's paying it somewhere else. And then he's and then he's coming forth with that. He's got this rich underlying life that we only see glimpses of in this first season. Um, but he's paying the cost for it. The whole um, ending the curse scene where they have to throw something of value in to the pot and, and paying that cost over. Um, the, uh, Rebecca and Keeley talk in the bathroom about accountability. What about accountability? And then that's a huge part of the, the wonder and beauty of the relationship between Keeley and Roy is that it begins with that kind of honest and accountability. Some of the first exchanges they have are apologizing to each other apologizing to each other he confronts her for making him a pawn in the auction and she says i'm sorry for that and and he you know absolves her of that and then he's kind of a jerk sort of dictating her actions and he apologizes for that and so it is it is based on this whole like i see what it's cost and i'm going to pay that cost to to do this and uh, and i feel like that's a through line that the whole show has taken on um that I think we could really learn a lot from because I think that's one of our big problems as human beings, but particularly in these times, I'm not going to isolate so profoundly universal a principle to any particular area of politics or society, but we are so unwilling to pay the cost. We are so unwilling to to be inconvenienced. We're so unwilling to do something that is purely benevolent towards someone else. We are so profoundly unwilling to take the cost onto ourselves. And one of the things that I, I find so challenging about that is I think a lot of times, and there, I'm going to hang a lantern on, there is a reality to not throwing your pearls before swine. Okay. Mm -hmm. Anybody who would say like, yes, there is a line where you have to realize I am feeding a vacuum. And I, and for health's sake, I need to stop feeding a vacuum. That is a real thing and I affirm it. But I think we could all take a lesson from being challenged by our own perpetual unwillingness to pay the cost, to do, to, to take the burden upon yourself to be respectful, to take the burden upon yourself to be kind, to take the burden upon yourself to put yourself secondary you know, and, and, and to show someone else or to, to present to someone else more honor, more protection, more uh, respect, more care than, um, than you yourself are receiving or expect to receive. And I think that's something that we see. It's not just that Ted is kind. He is doing the work. It's not just that, oh, he's such a nice guy. He is, he is actively and consistently doing the work. And that's something that 
we, I think, still get stuck in this mode of like, well, I'm just not really a kind person to where sometimes we can pride ourselves on, well, I'm just blunt. I just, I just tell it like it is, as if that's somehow a virtue. Roy Kent is one of the most crass, vulgar individuals television has ever given us. But by God, that man will do the work. He will do the work. If he has to treat Keeley right, if he has to do right by his teammates. So it's not just about being, and I love so much that we have Roy Kent and a Ted Lasso because Ted Lasso is pure milk toast and Roy Kent is vinegar and spike. But both of them are doing the hard work to be intentionally and deliberately good to the people in your world and to do right by them. And that is a very, very big deal that we as mass populace do a very poor job of taking very seriously. Um, I just dropped a, I just threw a grenade in a backpack, but that's, that's, yeah, that's absolutely my feelings on this show and what we do with it. Well, and it, it feels like a, a maybe tying a bow on, maybe opening the door to further discussion, perhaps, I don't know, but Reed, you were talking earlier about the, one of your favorite scenes being the, the lasso special and what that signifies and means. And, mm-hmm. and I can't help but hear in, the conversation and this because Josh, you, you identified something uh, to me thematically that, that weighed on me or I, I took note of in the, in the final moments of the season of this sense of corporate victory and loss. Like we are, there's, there is a shared mourning per in, in this instance for the, for the loss this community has experienced, but what, what really, kind of sings out here in all of this is that it's only through doing the work of kindness and compassion of learning to do right of paying the cost so that someone else benefits it's only those things that help you endure the loss that will come let me rephrase that that will help you endure the loss with grace that will come because we are awful at losing and if anything it's almost it's almost most appropriate that this show at least this season you can't go back to this well every time but that this season ends in in losing Mm -hmm. you know that that's that's what the whole mechanism of the narrative was engineered as was rebecca propping them up to lose so it, it it and so it's not so much that will they or won't they lose it's how how gracefully will they lose and that's a very different position to take mm-hmm. and we yeah. spent a lot of time on this show when the pandemic was at its height we spent a lot of time and ent- an entire season discussing the leftovers and films related to it talking about learning how to lose and i feel like that's something that as a culture you couldn't be more uh, right and astute in your observation there, Nathan, we do, we suck at it. We suck at losing and we are allergic to it. We will not embrace it. We will not learn from it. We will not um, try to be gracious in it, but just by and large, it, it's, it's been magnified over time. I'm not saying every single individual is bad at it. Obviously, clearly some are, are much farther along in embracing and, and adapting and growing from it. Um, but I feel like that's something that 
we, in our own expressions of faith, in our own understanding of how we navigate the world, we are so, so attuned to ultimate victories. The reason I feel so powerfully about that they do lose the game, but Josh, I'll borrow some of your language here, but they win a community. God, they, they, they win relationships with one another that have changed them forever. The way Leslie Higgins and Rebecca Welton are with each other at the beginning of this show versus at the end of this show, the way the entire team is with each other from the beginning to the end of the show, like they have, they have won so much. And I think the biggest thing in a, in a line you referenced earlier, uh, Nathan, they have won more than anything, the, the privilege, and I will call it intentionally a privilege, the privilege of not having to be sad alone. And that is a privilege because so many people are relegated that did not intend <laughs> in, intentionally to, to call that word <laughs> Look out. Look at you, you footballer. But, <laughs> They are intentionally uh, sort of relegated to loneliness and sadness, and some of it is is through no fault of their own. Some of it is, some of it is because they've continually like chosen to to not pay the cost to not do the work, and I feel like that's something that they've that this these characters have really gained a lot from is. They do not have to be sad alone. They can be sad together. And I can say from my own heart and experience that every single painful burden that you have to endure or that you have to bear, um, it is made tremendously lighter simply by having somebody to bear it with you. Like that, it, that sometimes makes all the difference, even between life and death, not to be too dramatic, but to have somebody to bear it with you. Um, just makes such a profound difference and it is, it is tremendous gain. Um, but again, that's the, that's the hard fought victory that they've earned. They've been paying the cost for, they've been practicing it. They've been training towards it. Practice through practice. We're talking about practice. They've been doing <laughs> not that. a game, not a game, not a game, not a game. No, we're talking about practice. Um, but they've been doing that. Ted led by example. They've been doing that along the way, and then that's the victory that they come out with in the in the end. You have to plant a whole bunch of you have to you have to bake a whole bunch of biscuits before you win the boss over. You know, like you have to, and you, you may you, not, you may not, and you win may the not. boss over, and that's worth noting. Absolutely, Josh. I mean, that's, that's the, but it's a know, good plan. It's a great plan, plan, plan. plan. So. You know, this is, I think we're wrapping up, but this is you'll, the last you'll hear of me. But well, that sounds terrible, doesn't it? It's like, <laughs> uh, <laughs> in this conversation, mind you, boys. Um, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a lifelong Georgia sports fan. And there comes, you learn to lose. You learn to lose in that. And, you know, a few years ago, which I, I'm sure y'all are familiar in some way, but, the, the fat, the Atlanta Falcons went and did something that no one has ever done in the history of football, American football. And they had a 25 point lead in the Super Bowl and they blew it. I remember that. Yep. Yeah. It was, uh, it, yeah. It was I cannot Gaga tell show. you. Oh, yeah. I cannot tell you where I was when I learned family members died, but I can tell you where I was that night. <laughs> um, it was traumatic, but it, it, 
it was funny, you know, and now it's funny. Actually, no, it still hurts. Um, we, uh, my, my oldest son, who was just a little boy at the time, we had watched it together and we came home. We've been at a gathering and we came home and uh, he disappears and his mom found him in the closet crying. And I thought, you know what? That's okay. You know, it's okay that he's affected by this because you know what? This is kind of morbid, but it's, it's life, man. One day there's going to be another devastating loss and it's going to be something closer to him or me. Um, and that's what I, I, you know, what I think Ted Lasso, the person, the fictional character does so well is he didn't just wake up like he is that he's a guy who I guarantee you has lost, you know, he's, he's probably lost at every level. Now he's had success obviously, cause there's the dancing, you know, gif of him. Um, but he's learned to deal with loss and y'all referenced it as, as a culture that we're terrible at losing. But, you know, I, I think it's, it's a healthy thing to learn to deal with losing. I, and I'll tell you, I am not the one to sign up for it. I don't want it. I don't like it. I hate it. But I think we grow so much through losing and, and just to, you know, connect even as one who is involved in, in the church uh, on a professional level that, um, you know, I think, I think we get confused with Jesus's call. It's not to win. Mm. It's not to win. It's to lose. Yeah. And losing is what makes us, forms us to look more like him. Uh, because from a worldly standpoint, he lost. And, but we know from a faith standpoint that, that in losing, he won. Mm-hmm. That's the paradox of faith. And I think it's the paradox of Ted Lasso that yeah. even in losing that gumma, he won. Yeah. Uh, that cowboy from Kansas, as Roy mm-hmm. Kent calls him. So Josh has delivered his sort of, you know, for this conversation, final note, I'd like to deliver mine. I, I you know, going to bring up a scripture verse, but, um, most people are going to know it most commonly it's Galatians six, nine and, and uh, the common phrasing or most uh, popular phrasing there is let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And I think this show is so ripe with the do not grow weary of doing good. I would like to read a version um, and, and it requires a little bit of explanation, but I'll, I'll just slant by it. There's a, a new translation of the scriptures that has just recently been released. It's called the First Nations Version. I've been reading a lot of it recently, and it was basically it, it's a new translation of the scriptures by um, a board of indigenous people. And they're translating it in the language of indigenous tribes, indigenous people, um, and the way they would phrase certain things. It is profoundly powerful. Um, and I'd like for a second to just read Galatians 6, 9 in that most of the language is the same, but there's one phrasing at the end that just really struck me. Um, so in the First Nations version, again, newly released, it says in Galatians 6, 9, never grow tired of doing what is good. For when the time is right, we will reap a harvest of good things as long as we do not let our hearts fall to the ground. And I find that to be so, you know, the scriptures say don't give up or don't grow faint. But that language of as long as we do not let our hearts fall to the ground, 
Um, and I just, I'm so struck in this moment by the show, by these thoughts and reflections of just, you know, keeping our hearts from falling to the ground and not to give up doing the hard work. Oh, like what all, everything that we're saying, don't be weary of doing good things as, as Josh quoted Isaiah earlier, learn to do what is right. And, um, and I feel like in due time, we will reap a harvest of good things, even in the process of maybe some very public and devastating losses we will reap a harvest of good things if we do not let our hearts fall to the ground. And that's the note that I would like to leave us on as far as Ted Lasso goes, the conversation. Y'all ready to go to the fog meter for good old season one? All right. Nathan's doing the dance. YouTube's YouTube exclusive. <laughs> All right. So fog meter in uh, the days before what saves us was our very specific metric of fear and God, what scares us and what saves us. Um, in this new What Saves Us uh, series, we are pivoting that over to fun and God. So the fun meter and the substance meter, as it were. Um, Josh, as our guest, I'm going to give you the privilege of going first. What would you give Ted Lasso season one on the fun meter on a scale of one to 10? On a scale of one to 10, um, does it go to 11? It should. It should. Uh, yeah, this is, it's as, I'll answer both a 10, 10. I mean, it's, it, mm-hmm. it is as good, uh, for my soul and my gut as I laugh, um, as anything I've seen in it. Maybe ever. I don't know. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it I've, you know, gosh, this is a bit too long, but I'll, I'll be quick. Do you know fine. how every once in a while somebody will tell you, Hey, have you seen this? And it's like a, it's like a, a Christian based something or a religious based something. And you're like, Oh, right. they're like, Oh, it's great. And my first, it's always like, come on, man. No, it's not. I know it's not. There's no way <laughs> <laughs> you're wrong. Uh, it's terrible. But no, I mean, with it, yeah, it. I know, I know. With you're this, in good company. Yeah. With this, you know, it, it, it's that good. They'll go on it. It's that good. Um, yeah. and, and, Gosh, I've even thought, you know, I I would love to do a a small group around it because it is mm. so now the language is a bit much, but they love the f word. They, they and, and they're 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 very poetic. And Roy's too. curved penis. Oh yeah, that too. Yeah, that too. So there's a whole lot of that. He but just, yeah, he it, just <laughs> thinks that way because of the way he moves <laughs> his hips. <laughs> so yeah, yes, Josh, uh, lead the, the, gets, the the small group on this and report back to us, please. I hey, will. I admire. I'm I'm right there with him, actually. Like honestly, if I was leading a small group of people who were mature enough to handle the content, this is exactly the kind of stuff I'd want to be talking about. I'm with you, Josh. I affirm. I affirm. Um, I affirm so much. I'm even going to join you in both of your tens for fun and God. This is ten and ten for me. I don't think I have to qualify it. We've spent two hours talking about it, so <laughs> ten and ten for me. Well, it's not just peer pressure that's going to promote me. Ten and ten. Let's do it. Let's do it. When that's is the it. last time this happened, Reed? It, it has never happened for the fog meter. So, uh, or, or I don't think it has. Steve Beckley will correct me on that continuity guru, but, um, but uh, it has almost happened several times. But for the fog meter, this is a straight up 10 across the boards, um, full of fun, full of substance. Um, and I think it probably goes without saying we could round Robin if we wanted to, but we pretty much all recommend Ted Lasso pretty definitively. Do we not? Oi. Yes. Oi. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen Ted Lasso? That's have, the question. That is have the question. Have you seen Ted Lasso? <laughs> and Josh, I believe because of your persistent asking yes. it to Nathan, 
is why we're sitting you, here right now. You are responsible for this entire episode because you persisted Nathan and then Nathan persisted me. And then our good, good friend, Jeff Hansen persisted to submitted say, it. Hey, you, and he submitted it for what saves us. So Jeff, we are pouring a cold one and throwing darts at the board for you on your behalf. Um, but that puts, today's his birthday too. Oh, and we're we are recording, recording on, his, on birthday. his birthday. It'll air, yep. you know, a couple of weeks later, but we are recording it on its birthday. So Jeff, this one is absolutely for you. Um, and it is also for all of you listeners. If you have not yet seen Ted Lasso, I think it is fair to warn about the language. They love the F word. I would think Roy that, does. Well, pretty much. They, know, they, they, they all love it. I'm just um, to be but, fair, you're going to have trouble just understanding some of them. So that's a good you point. Know, <laughs> that's exactly tight. I think it is. I think it is worth saying that at least as of yet, there is no other uh, offensive or vulgar content in it. Uh, aside from some language, that's really the only thing you have to be concerned about. Um, so language and not just language as in curse words, language as in what they say or what they talk about. Language is the only thing you have to be worried about. Um, but beyond that, it's an unqualified recommendation. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that puts season one in the books. We will be returning to Ted Lasso for season two. But as this is airing the last week of September, next week, we are going into October. And when you do a show about horror movies and faith, even when you're in the middle of a series called What Saves Us, you go back to the horror well when it's Halloween times. So next week, we are going to be diving back in still in the What Saves Us series for at least most of the month, if not all of it. We are going to be diving into a couple of our submissions for what saves us that were in the horror world because we're going to be spending Halloween times, uh, October times in back in the horror realm. So we're going to start with a film that was from the mid 90s. I should have looked up the exact year, but um, it is the not and this is very important, not the recent animated version of it, but the original uh, 1990s version of The Addams Family starring Angelica Houston and Raul Julia. We are going to be going back to that. No TV guideposts. We're not continuing with Ted Lasso. We're going to give him uh, a well-needed break for a season, and then we'll be coming back to him after October. So uh, next week, prepare yourself, acquaint yourself with um, the Adams Family, the live-action version starring uh, Raul Julia, Angelica Houston, uh, Christopher Lloyd. And so acquaint yourself with that, and then we will see you right back here on The Fog next week. Josh, thank you so much for staying up late to be with us. This was a wonderful conversation. Really had a great time. Nathan, as always, thank you very, very much. And uh, listeners, thank you as well. As we say on every episode, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And in that spirit, we encourage you to fear nothing else and be on your way rejoicing. We'll see you next week, everybody. Night. Be a gosh darn goldfish. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. And you can continue the conversation in a variety of ways. You can start by visiting thefearofgodpodcast.com for all the latest news and episodes or for merchandise and to contact us directly. You can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God, on Instagram at Fear of God Podcast, or join the Facebook Fear of God discussion group. Special thanks to Jacob Hunt of jacobhuntcomics.com for our artwork. To Lee Wright, who helped me read Lackey write our theme music, and to Tyler Smith at MoreThanOneLesson.com for making our show possible. Lastly, be sure to subscribe to us on your podcast platform of choice, and if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating and a review. 
Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week.